0: Hey friends, this is episode 25 of the Becoming Human Podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. In this episode, I sit down with my pal Alfred. I met Alfred while rolling at Livewire MMA in Burlington. I watched him get deeper and deeper into jiu-jitsu. His drive humbled and inspired me. He quickly got better, and I saw something familiar. A hunger in his eyes. Alfred is a chef who sought more meaning from his life than cooking food for the masses. Once he found jujitsu, he felt at home. I do not want to denigrate cooking, but as with many things, there are levels to the discipline. You could provide a service, feeding the masses, or master an art form. Having been a chef myself, there is a large divide, I've noticed, between these environments and it is difficult to eke out meaning from an average restaurant that is competing with the local fare to stay afloat. Destination or artisanal restaurants do not need to be open seven days a week and make safe food in order to appeal to its customers to stay afloat. But I honestly have no clue. It's just what I've gathered, and I look forward to finding a chef or two to bring onto the podcast to explore this point of view further. If you have any suggestions, just shoot me an email. People who are driven to find something meaningful fascinates and inspires me. It was a pleasure to get to know more about Alfred and his experience in this life. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello heathens, are you unsatisfied with your life filled with strange plastic technicolor boxes that mutter ideas at you all day? Well fear not mortal, by clicking on my link in this description or on my website at killyourking.com you will be transcended into Amazon where you can purchase a virtual reality headset and computer so that you can be transcended into another world where all of your needs are met and you can join Satan's dark army. And you will be swathed in wonderful pixelated porn for the rest of your lifelong days. And I will also receive a small cut to support my own endeavors so if you could just click through the link in the description or on my website to do all your shopping it will cost you nothing extra i promise thank you guys very much and if you'd like to support the show please rate review and share the fuck out of it please it's much appreciated And if you have any suggestions, you can always shoot me an email or send me a DM on any of the social media platforms. Uh, And I think I'm going to play you in with a song by Hawkeye. Yeah, it seemed fitting. Have a nice summer. Oh, I won't be back until uh, for about another week. We're going to take a little break i'll be coming back on the week of the uh 14th between the 18th laying out some fresh new episodes um and i hope you guys enjoy
1: I have so many buddies who have you know or like military buddies or people I, I love hearing the stories about how people end up in in like Skagit County Washington yeah and I've heard so many stories like uh the guitarist in my band uh like well you have a band well okay so, so we did I did music for seven years Holy solid seven God. years and then after that we kind of like Dilly daddled you know, but like I mean, mm-hmm. we played shows in Seattle, we opened up for like big festivals and stuff like that whoa, we, yeah, we did we did a lot of like you could you could youtube my band and see me playing bass, whoa, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, so like, but either way, like the guitarist, he was a military brat, and he went from here to here to here to here and he came uh i think one of places one of the places where his dad was stationed was like in somewhere around seattle up here mm-hmm. you know but then he his dad got uh, moved to kansas and then when he oh. got old enough he was like out of all the places he lived and he lived in hawaii southern california washington uh kansas and then uh, i think it was boston he chose to come back here he, he turned 18 packed up his car drove it all the way up here and cuz that's what it was and then i have another like my mom's friend, my mom's friend's dad, he was a convict, right? So Ooh. he went through the system. He was a ex-felon or whatever. So once a felon, always a felon. Yeah. He was driving up and he wanted to go through Canada to go work in Alaska on a fisher boat, fisherman's boat. And they told him, "You can't go into Canada because you're a felon." Yeah. So he's like, "Cool, I'll take the ferry." So while he's here, he met a woman, fell in love, lived the rest of his like lived forty more years here, and now he's passed away but and he was a super nice guy super strong southern accent but i just like it, there's always a story behind how people end up in skagit valley yeah you know because like my goal isn't to stay here my goal is by next next summer to either be in seattle or portland mm-hmm. now where i go it depends on other factors now luckily i have a job waiting for me in seattle if it ends up being in seattle in portland i have a I have an awesome gym I want to go to it's like very very bad Ooh. down there so but again it's it's not necessarily in my control and I can explain that later mm-hmm. but it's it's almost like embarrassing to talk about but um either way it's mm-hmm. it, so yeah so like I was always curious like okay will's from California initially so how did he end up in Skagit County? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so
0: that's why I like it because I like it over here because it's a really nice blend of um, which I think is important. Um, for me on a personal level Yeah Is a really nice blend of the wild and the city Because living in Sandpoint And Sandpoint and Hope Being thrust literally into the back of beyond Fucking bumfuck Egypt <clears throat> Right right And it had been 180 miles from the nearest like uh, Metropolis Exactly Yeah It it left me uh, like I said before in a bubble and but at the same time it allowed me enough freedom to be able to collect my thoughts and slow down about things so being here you're able to be like literally in Seattle takes me thirty to forty five minutes without traffic yeah
1: um, so realistically like an hour yeah. hour and twenty minutes to get in the to get into a place where actually in our
0: backyard right now where there's uh... twenty glaciers sitting yeah. up there and there is thousands of Fucking uh, acres. I was gonna say miles, but acres of wilderness. Yeah, it. and you don't. Have, that's what people. When I moved over here, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna miss
1: you know the wilderness and small town life and stuff." and like, oh, <laughs> "Come to Cedar Woolley. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was born and raised in Cedar Woolly. Like, like literally was uh, one of the last babies born at United General Hospital. Really? Yeah. So like, I lived on Telcott Street, which you drive past every day when you come home. Yeah, like, I lived there. I lived on Reed Street in town, right along Ferry, and like I only moved away about two years ago. And, and that's just to Mount mm-hmm. Vernon But again I, I always love that too Because we get People always think like Oh it's just rainy in Washington And granted we have a lot of gray Yeah But, but, but you have 80 degree summers Where it's mm-hmm. nice and sunny But it's not too hot right And then you have the snowy winters And then yeah you have a gray fall You have a gray spring But like you still get the best of both worlds And if you want to hike up into the mountains Go to go to Oyster Dome, which is right there. Yep. Uh, you can take a ferry across to the peninsula, and there's a hu- huge, vast forest. You can go. Uh, there's a rainforest here. You can uh, drive into Eastern Washington, where it's desert. You know, like there's there's a little bit of everything in Washington. So like, if I was ever to move out of here, it would it would be to somewhere similar. So like, I've looked into Oregon, and I've looked into like Maine and New Hampshire and stuff. You know, I don't know if I'd ever make like a three thousand mile trip across here. But yeah across the country but still it's like everything that you need is kind of like right in this area and if so many people have moved away and then always moved back it kind of shows you that what you have is not it it's one of the best things out there yeah exactly i couldn't imagine living in florida dude walking out and having your shirt stick to my skin no i dude, couldn't I, either yeah. man
0: like uh-uh. the only thing though that i would enjoy not enjoy rather but i am very curious about is the warm rain Mm. I've always, cause I would just love to be buck ass naked outside oh, it's <laughs> <Yeah. ready.
2: laughs>
1: I mean, I could do that here too. I just got to get a little more ballsy with it. Yeah, no, yeah, I've done plenty of those, uh, like winter dips in the lake. Yeah,
0: the polar plunges. Yeah, those are
1: so cool. Yeah, well, pff, dude, I did it before. It was cool. I did it when uh, my dad lived on a lake house across the street from Wacom Lake, and that's a glacier runoff lake, right? So, like, literally right across the street, just the middle of winter, or during a thunderstorm, I had a buddy who actually passed away by getting hit Aww. by a car, and one of my last memories, yeah, Devin McCoy, If like, he's was an amazing drummer, amazing person, but... Like it's like li- one of my last like times I hung out with him was at my dad's lake house. It was a thunderstorm, and it sounds it sounds almost hom- homoerotic, right? <laughs> but like, oh baby, oh, but uh, yeah, it was like romantic. literally, <laughs> yeah, so it was like literally like me, him, my brother went across the street into the lake during a thunderstorm and like swam in the lake. It was like the warmest Whoa. experience ever, but like bolts of lightning hit in the top of like the trees that we could see around us. We're, oh like, right, we should god, get out of that here. would make
0: my balls suck up.
1: In the- <laughs> sky, like oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: That's one of my favorite things. I actually love being out in a storm. I've had one point where I was uh, climbing a mountain over in Idaho and uh, one of my buddies bailed on me because he saw that it was going to be rainy and i was climbing up to the top though and a storm rolled in and you got to see the, the, the lightning yeah across the entire sky it was Gosh, fucking
1: i'd be raining. so scared though i like that super high point i guess if you're stuck next to the trees but still if it hits a tree the tree's gonna fall
0: yeah exactly yeah or if you get a little bit of a fire those yeah uh, polar plunges are really interesting because this year was well this year and last but this since we had such a harsh winter yeah um yeah. It was my first time like working outside all day yeah and um i've had this really interesting dialogue with uh cold and heat so like when you when you jump into cold water you know how it's uh uncomfortable like se- uncomfortable sensations you're really cold you're shivering yeah and you have the feeling that you want to get out yeah um I don't know. This might sound really weird. I got to the point to where I believe that it's not pain that you feel. You're actually overwhelmed by stimulation. Oh, okay. And if you're able to calm yourself, you are not. Instead of getting overwhelmed, pleasurable. So like through uh, doing the ice baths and stuff. Right. Like uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Wim Hof. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. He got me into that. And, and the cold, too, because it sucked. But yeah. after a while, I started noticing that in the cold, I was able to wear short sleeve shirts. Not because of Wim Hof, but because I was forced to work outside in the cold yeah. every day. And it, it was interesting because... Um, when I'd get into like the ice baths at first it would be really painful and then after a while that pain went away and it wasn't just a numbness it was a pleasure pleasurable feeling yeah yeah and it's it was just interesting playing with that and that's one of the things that I enjoy being up here yeah is outside of California is because you have to face uh harsh elements and I think facing those harsh elements, it's almost like a, like a muscle yeah. if you don't work it, it atrophies or becomes weaker. Yeah. And so having to be in these uncomfortable situations, I think, makes everything else in life easier for me.
1: I could, yeah, I, I respect that. And I'm the, mad at that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I see
0: that even in the culture with the people up here, is that people generally uh, tend to be kinder in the in uh, places that have more harsher elements, even if it's more heat, too, yeah. I've noticed. But
1: Yeah. I don't know. I've I've always I've always wanted to try an ice bath, but I I don't think I have the I don't think I have the guts to do it.
0: Same thing as a polar plunge, man. If i say ice bat ice baths is just a little worse because the expectation.
1: I think yeah. I think one of the things too that people always try is the jumping into a lake, getting out of the lake, letting the wind chill hit you for a second, and then jumping back in. It always feels like it always feels like a little bit better. Yeah. Because that that wind is gonna make it ten times harder, and that's why I was always so nervous, like hiking with like short sleeves and not wearing a sweater even if it was like 60s because as soon as you start sweating at that high elevation you take off that sweater you're wearing like it can almost make you sick yeah. by, by how fast your body will cool down and yeah like uh, last time I did Oyster Dome that's exactly what happened is I had a sweater on the entire time I started sweating I was like oh my gosh I'm getting too hot I took off the sweater and then immediately like the cold hit so hard that I like I had to sit down I had to like eat sugar and stuff mm-hmm. and then keep going. Yeah, and that's
0: interesting too. That when you put yourself in those kind of situations, what you find out about yourself uh, mentally and physically, like how your body responds to things. Right. Whereas when you're just chilling inside, and all of a sudden you, you can turn on a fan or yeah. you know turn on a heater and stuff. And it's not to denigrate people who don't hike, but yeah. right.
1: Well, you, even uh, like with uh, rolling, the first time I ever rolled, and and it's such a mental thing in this aspect. Like the first time I ever rolled wasn't like in a gym or anything. I was yeah. getting into like i was getting into jujitsu and i was i had a buddy who he and he's like traveling the world now he's such an amazing person that's cool yeah yeah seriously just like 100 bucks in my account i'm gonna buy a ticket and i'm gonna head across there and i'll figure out everything else there and he now he takes photography all over the world and yeah so but anyways uh he did jujitsu on and off for four years and i was like hey i want to try this thing like do you want to just like roll in my living room i want to i want to experience it and like what? I felt so exhausted What
0: What made you want to try Like what seeded that thought originally
1: Okay so I wrestled for 8 years Cedar Wooly if you don't know Everyone wrestles here That's exactly it Cedar Wooly was the dominant wrestling force in like the late 90s Yeah late 90s early 2000s So like if you, if you just drive by the high school On the gym you can see plaques uh, I think it's 8 plaques from 1996 to 2004 Where we won state every single year now, in one of those years, it was like 97 or 98 I took um I went to state and took state for the peewee state cha- like Stee-wee peewee state champion wrestling yeah, yeah, so so I wrestled oh. all through that. My grandfather, who was like the the biggest supporter factor in like wrestling and all of the sports that we did, wow, uh, he, he was in your family yeah, yeah, well, he well he passed away, and so like I stopped most sports, everything except for baseball, but which I wish I'd never did but for eight years and i was losing weight because i got i was like 260 pounds and i lost it all down to like 180 185 and i was like i want to start like learning how to like fight like i like i knew how to i I knew how to wrestle so i was like i want to do stand-up stuff to counteract so i was like i'm gonna look into boxing and so i was at a house party at my buddy's house and there was a dude sitting on the couch adjacent from me And I was talking to him and I made a joke about oh yeah I own a business because at that time I was selling weed and he's (laughs) like nice dude I own a business too you should help me and I was like, I was like, oh cool, dude, what business do you run? Thinking that he sold weed too or something. He's like, oh, I run Livewire MMA oh. out of yeah, out of Burlington, Washington. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, I was just kidding. I was like, yeah, I have a my, my buddy whose house party it was. Like his buddy is Alan Gutierrez, who used who used to fight out of Livewire. Oh wow! Right? Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, I was gonna talk to my buddy's friend Alan about teaching me jujitsu or, or teaching me like kickboxing or muay thai or something. I want to learn how to like strike. And the dude sitting across from me, who was Matt, I, you know, he was like. On it, and he was like blazed and he was just like yeah dude uh for your body style i would suggest doing like jujitsu and i was like cool like i'll i'll look into that i ended up giving him a ride home he gave me a super sick longboard and oh, whoa. it got stolen out of my car two days later oh it, 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 my, my roommate's longboard and everything and it was like a it was like a 300 longboard it was such a nice board oh that's a heartbreak but, yeah i got it got stolen like two days later but Either way, so I, I kept lifting because I didn't lose any of my weight by cardio. Yeah, I was lifting weights really? and eating healthy. Yeah, no cardio. I, I still to this day I hate it. The only cardio I do is during uh, is during, you know, class. Yeah, and
0: you you um, is it you don't lose weight from cardio or you don't like doing cardio so you prefer to use lifting to lose? Weight? I
1: yeah, basically I didn't like doing cardio. Oh okay, I didn't cool. like it. Like you lose the most weight from cardio, mm-hmm. but. I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to lift because I lifted when I was younger and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to keep – I'm going to just go back to what I was doing. And so I kept losing weight, kept losing weight, never really looked into jiu-jitsu. Two years go by, I hit 315 pounds bench press, Ooh. which for, you know, a 5'4 guy is pretty incredible. You so I, me. <laughs> So I hit that, and then I was like, well, there's my goals for lifting. So what can I do now? And so I looked at CrossFit, and I looked at – um I was like, I'm going to look into this jujitsu, right? And then I started, like, I found the Gracie family and I found all the history of it. And the more and more I researched it, the more and more I, I liked it. And so finally I was like, okay, well, I'm going to look at that live wire place. And, you know, I found Matt. Again, I was so nervous. I debated on it for like three months. You know, and at that time I was still, I was like lifting just to keep, I, I, okay, so there's maintenance mm-hmm. strength. So I just, like, I wanted to keep lifting to just keep maintenance. You know, I didn't want to yeah. lose any strength. And then finally I decided to go in and talk to Matt because uh, my schedule at the time didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't working out with being able to go to class and stuff. And then I ended up switching jobs right at the perfect time to be able to Ooh. go to class. So then, boom. Yeah, so I, that was in that time where I was kind of, like to bring it full circle, in that time where I was researching jiu-jitsu and like, mm-hmm. like oh, this is the greatest self-defense. Oh, UFC started because of jiu-jitsu. Oh, like oh. all these Gracie challenges where like they would... If you owned a Gracie gym, like, it was your duty to accept people, like, from all different, like, oh, a karate master, a third-degree black belt in karate is going to come and try to take on your head instructor, and they would just make them look like idiots. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, they would just cover, close the, uh, close the distance, take them down, and submit them, mm-hmm. and on the ground, striking striking does help. I, I don't want to say anything against yeah. striking, but basically, it was like, you're so... Strike. Now, you know, John Jones has those vicious elbows and stuff, and in Muay yeah. Thai, you know, clinch game, it's all close combat, but... You know so i was like this is so cool so i asked his name's ken Furman. uh i asked him like hey do you want to roll with me show me a couple things like jujitsu like wise i've been watching videos i made my girlfriend do some stuff too like just like i want to practice on somebody stoked. yeah exactly (laughs) and then uh yeah so i rolled with him and i felt so exhausted afterwards i was like blacked out exhausted like my eyes were going dark and everything i had no idea what the hell i was doing like but it's that mental aspect. It's like, I know I'm not dying. So, if I panic right now, like, I'm going to give myself an anxiety attack or a panic attack. So, all you can do is hands on your head and keep breathing. Like, mm-hmm. just keep breathing. Like, if you're breathing, you consciously can know that the oxygen is flowing to your brain. So, all of this darkness that you're seeing in your eyes and all of this, like, worried feeling, you know it's unjust. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're, like, trail running or, like, what you do, or like, you know, the hiking aspect of it, it's like, okay, I'm on top of a mountain right now. I have sugar in me. Like, I have, like, I just need to keep breathing, keep the oxygen too. Like, but when people don't know that and people can't, like, stop and assess their situation, that's when they end up blacking out, passing out on a mountain and having to call a helicopter to fly in, you know, whatever.
0: And that's, but that's also like, uh, if you even look at, like, a, a work scenario, is when something's going bad at work and instead of like being able to stop and breathe and try to be able to detach yourself from all of this chaos that's going inside of your head. Yeah. If you fall through with that, you literally will collapse underneath of it and even like during a relationship too, whereas you're um, you're butting heads with someone, you're arguing and you have that choice as you keep towing the line and going further on that argument yeah. and fall or allowing your emotions to run through you or to stop
1: separate and observe that's like, the hardest thing for me to do man i'm I, so emotional i feel like
0: the, like that aspect that you're talking about is almost universal throughout everything and yeah like, and like when you do jujitsu like what you said you're almost isolating that moment yeah and building it exponentially
1: yeah and, and exactly and like that's the only those experiences from like the hiking and the jujitsu like the rolling like the first time i ever rolled was my very first like actual class like with matan who's a purple belt oh yeah right that so was like intimidating yeah it, it definitely was and like he was probably going on like level two against me but for me i was going as hard as i could and i thought yeah. that you need to be vicious and aggressive and so like i felt so embarrassed because at the end of my first class i sat with my head in my knees for like at least ten minutes, and Matt's probably sitting there thinking like, like, is this kid gonna die or something, yeah. right? And I've only ever felt it once since then, but I knew exactly what to do. I calmed down, and within with under within 45 seconds, I was back to normal, and I felt like almost pumped. Like you get that second wind, right? Like yeah. I'm not a jogger or anything, but I always hear about like the runner's high, mm-hmm. you know, like you get that like. Fuck, i want to get back in there like oh i don't yeah. want to wait for the round to finish like to go in there I, like i just want to pick somebody like matt come on you're sitting there doing nothing like yep, just
0: beyond that like yeah. that almost impossible brick wall is a sense of like pleasure and a high yeah it's just it is incredible and that's man. what i used to always
1: joke around about i was like i get high on life like <laughs> and then you know it's a cliche but cliches are cliches for a reason yeah, exactly yeah. man and exactly like in that staying calm aspect dude like okay so like, I work in a stressful business, I'm mm-hmm. a cook. So like, Ooh. yeah, so when you get ticket upon ticket upon ticket upon ticket. I was for
0: five years, so yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly,
1: yeah. right? So you you understand that. You understand yeah, that. railed out. <laughs> exactly, so like, if you panic, there's, there's nothing like, the t- tickets aren't gonna get done. You're gonna like, there's nothing to do but just grit your teeth and go for it. And then at the end of it, you feel so much better because of it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Being able to recognize that, and I remember the first time I ever realized that, I was a hood rat. Me and my buddy threw a Molotov cocktail, like in the middle of a road. We didn't oh. throw it, we didn't burn anything oh. down, but Holy I didn't know what one was. <laughs> so I was like, like, you should show me what one was. And so he had like a bottle of like MD twenty twenty or something, you know, some liquor. Mm-hmm. And he showed me what it was. And we went into the middle of a uh, few blocks down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I got laughs> yeah. Back memories. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, he just like smashed it on the ground and we saw this huge fireball, right? And we're like, Oh, oh my gosh. Then we saw lights flip on in houses, so we're like, okay, oh. we gotta go. So like running through an alley, realizing it was a dead end, hopping a fence, got my shirt caught on the fence, but instead of panicking, and this is like, and I'm not recommending any of this, (laughs) but (laughs) getting your shirt caught on the fence and being like, okay, I can try to just run through it, rip my shirt or get stuck, or I can stop for a second, pull the shirt off and go. And I remember it was like the dumbest thing, but I was like... I have a feeling that's going to help me later on in life. And, yeah. I mean, exactly. And, that, and that's, it's such a dumb thing, but that's exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> oh, God. It always comes out in unexpected ways.
1: Exactly. Though. And it's like a first realization when you're being a hood rat. like yeah. Doing something you
0: shouldn't do. <laughs> oh, my God. It's okay. I was a pyro, too. I made my poor choice. and <laughs> set a couple <laughs> acres on fire. Was on accident. Oh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Well, we won't get into that. No.
0: The, um, what do you call it? So. When you were saying you were nervous about coming into uh, LiveWire, what was that nervous... What was that nervousness? Is it like a social thing for you? Were you were nervous around people?
1: I've always been so outgoing, and I like to be the best at everything.
0: Notice you are very outgoing. Yeah, yes.
1: I'm super outgoing. So, like, I love to be the best at everything. So, going into a situation where I'm going to be the worst at something mm-hmm. made me uncomfortable. But, like you, like, you have to start somewhere. And so, that's like I'm like, doing what little, like stuff and learning what i could on my own like i learned what a shrimp was before i went in there i learned an americana i learned how to mount and how to escape a mount like i learned like um i could like four or five just baseline techniques because i didn't want to go in there and not know anything and have to start from ground zero now luckily i had the wrestling background as well so i know a single leg a double leg ankle pick and a fireman's carry like i knew like some stuff but that's what it was i was so nervous to go in there because i didn't want to go in there and make an ass out of myself (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't want to go in there and yeah so the nervousness came from that and so i only like for my first three weeks i only went to monday classes which was just which um is is just me me matt and maton so it was just a white belt with no stripes Whoa. a purple belt i think at that time it was a four stripe blue belt but matt told me after the first class he's like he's gonna be getting his purple belt in a couple of weeks don't uh, say anything okay. right and then a brown belt right mm-hmm. so i was i I had no idea but I was like if I'm going to learn from anybody and it's the same thing the only way to get better at something is to like do that yeah. do whatever it is with people who are 10 times better than you humble yourself yeah Mm-mm. at the same time though with jiu-jitsu it's a little different I didn't like I got this from Joe Rogan but it's like you have to be able to practice those techniques and so it's good to roll with people who are better than you but you also need to be able to smash out those people who are below you, you know? so like you have to be able to practice those techniques flawlessly on somebody and <clears throat> so you have to take those beginner people and be nice to them but still work exactly what you need to do so mm-hmm. yeah and i feel kind of bad when i do that but <laughs> it's like i need to get my work in and i know by doing this for him he's going to get better too yeah exactly it's, yeah. That, it's almost like the whole uh, the hierarchy in a lot of
0: ways yeah just as you are in that situation that person who's not as good as you are, are in your situation as well yeah and uh that that is the thing that I find interesting is that is is that putting yourself just in a blanket term uncomfortable situation. So as you get used to getting used to rolling with someone who's more skilled than you, and then mm-hmm. you become submissive, right? Or um, you're scrambling, and then you know they have more knowledge than you. Yeah. Um, that is not a good thing, and neither is it to be able to to roll with people who have less knowledge than you mm-hmm. only because then you you become comfortable and i think though the danger or not the danger the pitfall rather is um putting it is not is avoiding situations where you don't know what you're doing or where you're once again uncomfortable and that's kind of what is what i find interesting and i really can relate on is that you you know you being outgoing not that part <laughs> it's the um, not wanting. it's getting anxiety because you're trying to start something that you don't actually have any knowledge on yeah where uh, the entire community has way more knowledge than you exactly And I-, I find that like that locks a lot of people into doing things that they don't want to sometimes like so like if you're doing a job or you're living a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily sit right with you That's the only thing you know. And that's what I talk to people and they're like, well, this is who I am. And this is, you know, this is the life that I know. And it's like, if you can, going back to once again with the the cardio thing and jujitsu, is if you can uh, push through this moment, this temporary moment of discomfort, right beyond that, or beyond that rather, is a sense of pleasure and a high or... A sense of fulfillment. Yeah. That is far superior, not far superior, but far greater than the things that you're experiencing now.
1: Exactly. And I mean like the whole uncomfortable, like my my favorite YouTube guru for lifting Ooh. at least. His name is Elliot Holse. Elliot Holes? Yeah, yeah. He's a super cool like his his new stuff has gotten way more on the guru side not as much on the lifting side. But he was just like he like when Namaste? he's talking to the Oh, like like yeah. Oh. Like literally it went from like lifting to that Which you know, it's to each his own. If he wants to follow that path, that's cool. I miss his old stuff, but and he he's one of those guys. Like when he's talking to the camera, it legitimately feels like he's talking to you. Oh, like he's not, and he does everything in one take. He doesn't edit everything. Like it's super cool. And but that's one thing he always said is is like there's two quotes, and I think one of them is still on my Facebook. Like Mm -hmm. uh, like you gotta uh, become comfortable feeling uncomfortable, and you have to feel fear and do it anyways. And so that's that's the one that's on there is feel like fear, feel fear, and do it anyways. Like even though it's gonna suck at first, like do it. I lived with my my mom and my grandmother, and then I lived with my girlfriend. I never had to pay a bill, or I mean, I I paid bills, but I never had to like legitimately pay a rent. Moved back in after the breakup with. My mom and my grandmother and my friend came up to me who I was lifting with a lot and he was like hey I'm moving let me know if you want to grow up and get out of your grandmother's house like he straight up said it to me like that and I thank him so much for saying it to me like that because I was like yeah let's do it and so I was forced into a situation where I was like I have like now I have a responsibility I cannot screw over this person the rent has to get paid no matter what like the like the the bills got to get paid no matter what i was so uncomfortable exactly in that situation at first but now i have i feel so much better because of it and my overall goal in life is to be happy above any everything else like above success financially relationship wise um like everything it's like it's to be happy and the same roommate i had this conversation with him like two months ago he's like you have sometimes you have to deal with temporary unhappiness to eventually get to that happy place Mm -hmm. you know so like for me it's like starting college so like like i you know i have my diploma and everything but i've been putting it off putting it off for years doing that i've gotten to the point filling out all the paperwork doing everything except taking my compass test and this was like a year and a half ago and then i didn't because i was so nervous about like what if i take the test like and i suck and i end up in all these remedial you know college classes i don't know yeah. if it's called remedial but no, yeah. you know all of that exactly so it's like luckily i have a girlfriend now who wants the best for me and my roommates who want the best for me and who are willing to push me and push me and push me mm-hmm. so like luckily now i'm all registered up for uh winter quarter again I, I was supposed to be fall quarter but i procrastinated but it's like it's like i know it's going to be uncomfortable and i know it's going to suck and i know i'm going there's going to be financial sacrifices along with you know i'm not going to able to go to the gym as much yeah. you know like there's so many things but it's temporary unhappiness to find that happiness on the other side of that mountain and whether that mountain's like you know four years of school or whether that mountain is getting out of being in Josh's side control or you know a super big big guy holding you down it's like yeah it's fucking sucks but you you have to learn you have to get through it you have to learn to make your goosenecks and get to your guard or get out of the situation like I have I have to be able to push my way through college to become the person that I want to be in the future i'm not going to be a cook forever my you know i thought being a chef was the coolest thing in the world and then i got hit with like reality it's like nah, it's not it's it's cool if you want to work 60 hours a week always at night sacrificing every single thing that you want to do for that because these high level chefs that's what they do you know you you were in cooking because you liked to cook i was was yeah I, i like i like working with food I really do like all of the jobs that I've had that I've enjoyed were food, right, so I got offered the day I was moving into my new house, my new place with my roommates and stuff, I got a phone call. It was from my friend who was like, Hey, like like I was working in a deli I was working at the food pavilion deli, uh-huh, yeah oh wow. yeah, I was like I was like part time full time there, I was like kind of worried what I was going to do during the winter months for rent and stuff, yeah I, I knew I'd figure it out and uh because I'm resourceful, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got a call, and it was like, hey, here's this job opportunity for you. We need a prep cook, a part-time line cook if you want to come and, like, check it out. So I started actually cooking, and then I kind of, like, was, like, slacking on it, slacking on it, uh-huh. and then finally, like, I don't know what it was. The spark hit me. I ended up moving past my friend's position. Wow. Who was there. They, they put me above that person. They gave me a raise. Like, they did all of this and that, right? And I was like, cooking's awesome. Cooking's, like, this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my Amazing. life. And then... Like, and I was so into it, researching everything, I I, I was learning so much, but then, like, I really took a step back and kind of like, okay, and the paths that you can follow with food, and it's, like, you can become a chef, but there is so much, like, there is so much risk, and there is so little reward, there is so much time and effort put into it, and I'm not saying that's not what I want to do, like, I don't want to put in the effort for it, but to work 60 70 80 you know all that time and have 60 grand to look yeah. forward to but absolutely no time like relationships suffer like and your body suffers and your body suffers and your like the mental state that you're in suffers like it is it's a hard job yeah, it to is. cook at it high, high levels job. exactly like you did it you you understand so it's like i kind of like took a step back i ended up losing that job because of a because of a mistake that i made mm-hmm. you know that i took responsibility for and i and i've literally fiscally paid for oh right? wow yeah like so it was
0: like a normal like on the job mistake it wasn't because i got were... i got
1: overpaid and oh, i didn't yeah. say anything oh. they found it eight months nine months later whoa exactly exactly they, and they were like my bosses oh, my chef and my boss like the, the manager of the rest of the place where i was working at she was like, had tears in her eyes because it was her mistake, but it was my mistake for not coming forward.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: And they keep me on. I went and I got a a loan to go pay them completely back and everything and they were like, we're really, you know, we're really doing you a favor by keeping you on and I was like, I understand and I didn't like, I'm not a partier. I didn't go buy drugs. I didn't go buy booze. I bought tires for my car that were needed and I paid off two tickets and got my driver's license back, right? Mm -hmm. So you know and that was just from unpaid tickets so i, I was responsible with the money and but i sh- but the most responsible thing would have been to say something yeah exactly so they came in and this it's a they have a board so the country club because it's a country club the country club oh. manager um like she's the second highest point the what? highest point is the board of members and so she had to take the information to the board and the board oh. said you have to get rid of him because to skewered. them they don't know me as who I am as I'm a good guy I made a couple, I've made a couple of mistakes yeah. you know and so I went in I had the cash in pocket and they told me like hey we have to let you go we want you to pay the money back if you, as you can so even if that's 50 bucks a month here and there just whatever you can do do not stress about it mm-hmm. I walked in and I, walked, I gave them $500 and I left you know, and then I went back and i given them a little bit more money. And I just, I just gave them the last of the money, uh, today, Wednesday, yesterday, yeah. just gave them the last of it yesterday. So I paid wow. my dues and everything. I feel weight off your back, weight off my back, but I lost that job. I worked as a dishwasher because mm-hmm. it was like, I, I lost that job, went straight from that job to another restaurant, applied, got the job that day. Wow. But I hated that. And but that, and that's when I was like, I am so unhappy. I need to find happiness. Mm-hmm. That's where jujitsu came in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like that's like But it was like my last day there At that dishwashing job Was my first day at the gym And then like the next week I started this new job Where now I'm making more money Than I was at the country club Not as wow. happy But I, I made, I'm made I making more money Than I am there The hours are great Because I have afternoons off So that's, a, that's how I can go Monday through Friday I don't To know. the gym and everything So in the end It worked out So financially I'm safe Like mm-hmm. but yeah But cool. that's cooking Even now like especially I'm like man this is this is not what i want to do
0: see i have this whole thing like so service is important um if you look at it like uh, i'm not very astute in this but uh biblically um uh, it's always it's it was always important to like incorporate service into your daily life yeah um and and even philosophically i'm not religious by any means i'm agnostic but uh, I believe like for Bibles and uh, Quran philosophical texts on uh, how you ought to live your life or a meaningful way or fulfilling way to live your life yeah which is not very accurate for today's world but sometimes it is yeah um, so for service though and how important service is in order in for your well-being um, helping others and helping your own community as well yeah when it is forced for the sake of survival that's servitude. Yeah. In, in servitude, I don't I believe that that you I've met people who are dishwashers for the 35 and they're still a dishwasher. I do yeah. not criticize them.
1: But sometimes that's what they want to do. Exactly. Yeah. I've
0: I've always wrestled with that idea. Is that like like for example the the couple of guys that I have met when they're like 35 years old and they're like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um they're that's they're just kind of partying you know getting by or I've met other people who are caught up in like um, they're doing a house cleaner and she had family to support and it wasn't she wasn't a house cleaner because she's always wanted to be a house cleaner she was there out of necessity and I think I feel like that breeds resentment and unhealthy behaviors in people over the long term because with servitude you have to you have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to be able to open the restaurant to serve breakfast. That's legitimately, yeah. yeah and, and I'm
1: up at 6 o'clock in the morning at the restaurant by 6.30, opened up by 7. Yep, and yeah.
0: if you don't want to do that, you
1: die as a business. Yeah.
0: And it's the same as house cleaning. you have That house has to be cleaned, um, let's say, once a week. If you don't, you lose all your clients. But if you were, like, there's a, a restaurant in Seattle called Art on the Table. Yeah. And they're open... Sunday to Thursday maybe Monday to Thursday right and they're um, owned by reservation only they only serve X amount of people a day and the menu is you don't get to choose yeah that's they, the
1: pinnacle that's the that's where that's where every cook wants to be at every chef wants to be at is they want to be that person who it's like no you come to me mm-hmm. but realistically it's one in a million one and you know one it, in exactly
0: because that is in the industry of service and in the industry of service that the thing that is conducive in my opinion this is very generalist thinking but in conversations with people from um, this industry itself and outside of this industry and other things is that having to do something yeah. is that having to make your a um, hundredth omelet today it's <laughs> not that's not something that like it's so
1: like funny how like dead right on you are it's with this monotonous, yeah right? and, and,
0: there's no way it can't be monotonous unless you are performing, unless you are not serving. You you're someone your destination, like what you're saying is the yeah. one in a million or the art on the table. Right. Is that guy's not doing it because he he's in the business of feeding people. He's in the business of creating an experience. Yeah. And like that's I believe with almost everything is that you can't it's almost impossible to create like a job as a dishwasher to make it meaningful and to expect someone to be able to not just do it, but want to do it and re- go home and research about it. Like with uh jujitsu.
1: Yeah, example. dude, like Spend of- way too much time looking at YouTube videos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> the amount of effort you put into that, if that was a job for you, you would be very successful naturally. Yeah. And I think like having, putting people into their sockets in that sensor, um, going out and being uncomfortable and saying that, well, yeah, I don't have much money or I don't have much money, $80 is quite a bit a month for a gym membership which it's not, but
1: um, Yeah, especially like, I know like that gym in Portland I'm looking at, it's like $120 a month I was
0: looking at AMC um, because before I was going to Livewire because I think Mighty Mouse is down there and I'm like, you know if I'm going to do this, I want to get into it Mighty Mouse, yeah, dude. $140 a month
1: Okay, yeah Yeah, You know, at that point you kind of pay for the name Yeah, exactly, you do. But I mean, at the same time if they're training the pound for pound best fighter in the world yep. you know like, like is
2: that really the worst thing for yeah, like, oh. exactly
1: yeah and
0: the so doing jujitsu though for example yeah I I pay to do this and it pays me back in invaluable ways and I would I would call in sick to work to go to jujitsu. I would call in sick to work to go trail running or to even do podcasting which I have Which I have. Sorry. um, Did I hit record? Did I hit record? (laughs) So So let's start over. (laughs) Exactly. And I I think, like, finding those things and uh, encouraging people to go out and find those things. What I'm hopeful for, basically, in this long-ass tangent, is that in the future, as we progress and as uh, machines uh, evolve... In their efficacy and, and take our jobs exactly. Welcome to because then we would have more creative freedom to be able to um, you know try to put our ideas out in the marketplace or talents in the sake of jujitsu.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, like my my roommate is hand building guitars, right? Wait, what? Yeah, I'll, he's I'll, I'll explain it. I'll explain it, but uh, he's like he and he's not the kind of person he will not put a brand name out there until everything is perfect he's uh, he's an extreme professionist he told me that perfectionist he told me that his first guitar will probably be ready by this time next year what but we he spent like he works two jobs he actually like i got him a job at the country club as a second job and now he's worked after i left he worked his way up to my position right but now he's hand building guitars crap where was i going with that oh but he was telling me he's like i want you to find your passion so bad this is when i like when I was, I lost my job there, I was working as a dishwasher and I had all this time and he's like, I want you to find your passion so bad. Like, he's like, I have my woodworking. Like he's like his brother, who's an, an our other roommate, he's like, he has this, like I want you to have yours. And like, that's what lifting used to be and music used to be, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, I want you to have something. And then I found jujitsu mm-hmm. and now I, I'm so dedicated to it that it annoys the people that I'm around. Yes. Like that's how, you know, you found a good passion and that you're, you're passionate. And so, like, if you're going to have a menial job, mm-hmm. something that you do not like to do, at least supplement it with a passion on the outside. Use that, use that paycheck to at least go towards something that you love to do outside of that work. Mm-hmm. You know, now, I like cooking because it's a, it's a competition. It's me versus those tickets on the wheel. Yeah, You know, so I like that. I love competition. So that's what it was for me. So now I have a job where it's a competition every day. Um... And then I get off work, and I go to the gym, and then it's a competition in the gym as well. Yes. You know, which at the same time, like, that's good, but that that's good and bad. It's a double-edged sword because now it's like you, you almost look at everything that way, mm-hmm. it, that it's a contest. And so, I don't know. Yeah, it does
0: alter <laughs> your perspective, and it taints your perspective in some way. And I, um, I think... When you actually do these things, kind of talking about almost going back to what you're talking about with that guy, the uh, Elliot Hulse. Yeah.
1: And... Uh, Which you should really check him out. I am. Like, even if you're excited. not super into lifting or anything, like, uh, the conversation he has with you as a viewer, mm-hmm. like, it, it's very, Ooh. very uh, uplifting and very motivative. Huh, motivative? A, is that... That's right, right? Motiva- yeah. Motivating. Motivational, okay. Motivational, yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, very motivational.
0: When you're talking about, like, the fear aspect. Yeah so it it's uh being able to uh sit with that fear, right, yeah, and having the courage to overcome it because we all see the fear, so when I'm looking at someone who is a performance you know chef who is like the one in a million, or I'm looking at um uh, an author or comedian yeah. someone who's took this thing that you don't you don't do a fucking resume for, yeah, and I what it is though listening to podcasts, reading books on people that are like breaking down how they did this like a tim Ferriss, for example yeah what i am finding within my own self is that how they have achieved the ability to professionalize whatever interest it is that they're doing is that they didn't collapse under all of their internal strife so it's they felt the same fear that we did that we do on a day-to-day basis People who are, you know, still stuck at this job Trying to get by And they do jiu-jitsu maybe as a hobby Yeah Or they want to find something Because all they do is they just, you know, they they kill time essentially. Yeah,
1: they go home and they watch Netflix, you yeah, know
0: exactly Netflix and chill are fucking pornhub and, <laughs> porn-hub and <chill>. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer I mean, ujiz.com you- yeah, <laughs> oh, No check that out. <laughs> 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 I prefer Betty White and a baby Betty- <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and being able to do that is possible for everyone, and I think if you allow yourself that level of courage or confidence, um, it creates meaning within your life, and there's a way out. Is right. What I'm saying It's like, no matter what kind of adversity that you face, uh, being a single dad, for example, and having all these time demands. Uh, I I want it. I'm going to do it. Uh, Being someone who transitioned from lifting to wrestling and then finds out that, like, cooking is not everything that he exactly... That it's going to get back to him in the way that he wants. And you're in these financial situations and you're like, no, fuck that. I'm going to figure out a way. Exactly. Like, I I think it's important for people to be able, or important for myself, I'm projecting to be able to explore these things, be able to identify exactly who you are. And all these other people that seem very far out of reach are very much attainable as long as you're willing to sit through that fear.
1: Exactly. And the thing is too, I'm not, I'm not shitting on cooking either as a whole. So this, um, I would recommend cooking, To anybody who needs stress management, time management, multitasking, and especially, no matter wherever you go, because cooking is what's gonna put me through school. Yeah. So, no matter where you go, there is gonna be a restaurant. There are gonna be people who are hungry and people who need to
0: eat. That's what they told me when they hired. They're like, "I give you a job for life."
1: Exactly. So, like, this is what if I go down to if I end up moving to Seattle, you know, in a year, whether it's Seattle or Portland, or just getting out of Skagit Valley, because I don't want to be a lifer here. Um. It is I have a job waiting for me in Seattle. Mm -hmm. The the manager who let me go was is was work husband, work wife with a chef at her old job and told me I still have her recommendation for there. So I have a job in Seattle at a country club waiting for me if that's what I choose, if that's where I end up going. You know, but it's like even if I go to Portland, there's gonna be restaurants galore there. Exactly. So Will Yes. This and this goes with your fear. Aspect of it. Okay, so I have a couple questions I'm going to ask you before we specifically get into the fight, and I'm I'm sure that this feels a little weird because this is Will Nelson's blood, because as you guys know, he had his first amateur fight a couple weeks ago. Okay, so how did you first perfect or decide to start training mixed martial arts? As like I talked to you, and you're a calm, cool guy. Like you're super, I, I don't see the viciousness in you that a lot of people have in martial arts. You know, you were talking to Jesse and I was listening to that as well. And he uses the the war and the anger to fuel, to fuel him to go and hit another person in the face. Like what fuels you? What made you want to do it? Or was it initially just to get in shape? So I started training in mixed martial arts
0: because of Rogan, actually. Really? So my my entire life I've always seen myself as a person who is tiny, small, and weak. It was very, very insecure. And I've all I've spent my life trying to prove my worth to the adults around me. So I was listening to Rogan and Rogan was talking about the life benefits of doing jujitsu. And I thought I was really frustrated when i moved over here because i was afraid that i didn't stick with anything that i like i wanted to write a book okay i started writing a book then i stopped writing a book so if i went to go to these classes this would be something to prove to myself that i can actually stick with something i'd have the discipline i needed to cultivate discipline yeah so I'm like maybe if i try this out i might be a really weak but you know what i'm not even going to try to you know take it anywhere and then i go looking online and i find like kalahai and i looked at that i'm like i couldn't find it oh it's in a mall i don't really want to do that yeah and so i found Livewire, and i stopped by i was really intimidated coming in but i talked to matt and he didn't really seem like a a very macho kind of guy who'd want to like rip your head off yeah. And everyone in my family is like, "Don't don't train in that. Don't don't do martial arts. They're going to break your arm. They're going to try to hurt or kill you." And I'm like,
1: "If we break your arm, it's definitely an accident." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And learn to tap. Yeah.
0: And like so when I went in, I did it and then I went to the classes. I found out that it had nothing to do with me personally trying to be the strongest cuz I had no desire to be that. I liked the whole aspect of like the subservience like uh, trying to be nice to people yeah i never had any desire to
1: hurt anyone it's the humane art it's the gentle art exactly yeah that's
0: what that's what i started learning and i started learning too that every single person that i ever that came in to train even if they had the hints of like machismo or uh, bravado or machismo yeah, yeah machismo and ego it would get knocked down almost immediately. Yeah. Because it's, it's obvious. It's evident. Even if you can brawl on the
1: streets and you've gotten in like
0: 10 fights, when you get in there, it's different when it comes down to technique and all. Exactly.
1: And that's what I love about Jesse talking about Matt on the last, uh, podcast you yeah. released is because it's like yeah you can go in there think you're the badass person and then re- like and then you spar with matt and mm-hmm. he just picks you apart yeah makes you feel like you're a little girl
0: exactly yeah more than like jesse for yeah example. and i i started learning more about myself that what how what i thought how i saw the world how i thought of other people and how i thought of myself was seriously misaligned with reality and that became, martial arts became a space where I could play with, where I can experiment socially and internally.
1: So, did it start with
0: jiu-jitsu then? It started with kickboxing, just because the time convenience of
1: kickboxing. Oh, okay, okay. And,
0: and then I did a uh, pancration because kind of going off that insecurity thing was that, okay... Now I know that I'm not inferior just because of who I am. If I work harder, then I can become better. And so I started actually liking it. Because I didn't start off like watching UFC. I didn't even go in there. Like, you were talking about how you read up.
1: Yeah. I didn't
0: want anything. (laughs) That was the first time. So I never got in a fight when I was a kid before. Every time that I've ever gotten almost into a fight, I've talked my way
1: out of it, and I've become friends with them. That again. is the better. That's the better way to do it, anyways. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. I mean that. That's what. That's what jujitsu is about. It's like a last resort, and mm-hmm. and like that's what I love about that sport or art, whatever. That's what I love about jujitsu. Yeah, is that like in in Muay Thai and kickboxing? Is it's it's not meant to be that that um it's not supposed to be like something you're supposed to do outside of the gym. You know what I yep. mean? It's a last resort thing. Like you learn like, okay, I'm going to, I know for a fact that I can beat this drunk guy's ass. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to talk my way out of it. Cause I don't want to be that person. Nobody wants to be that dude that has to use it outside of it. Like has to use their martial art outside of the gym. And if you do, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. But that's why I love that. This is the hobby or that this is the lifestyle that we choose because like I was a musician, I played a, I played a bass guitar, mm-hmm. and that doesn't always help you in the long run in life. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. But, but jiu jujitsu is something that will come in handy if I'm walking down the street in Seattle and somebody tries to mug me. Yeah. It you know. You that you're able to. I would rather that. give up the money, to be honest, than have to do that. But if it's like a life or death situation, or like somebody I love is in trouble, then then I have to use that. Exactly. Hey dude, hold on! Before you rob me, let me slap some bass in front of you.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Alright, so it, it it didn't initially start as, like, wanting to fight then. No. It was not, just not. like, le- I want to do something to prove myself, to prove that I can stick with something, and, yeah. Yeah. And- cool. And yeah, it's funny, because you already answered, like, who inspired you? <laughs> Joe Rogan? Yep. Yep, why live wire? Okay, so do you prefer this? Stri- okay, so you were in a kickboxing match. Do you prefer the striking aspect of it, or do you like jujitsu more? Oh, I love jujitsu more because I always see
0: people as my jungle gym and I want to play.
1: I like, do, it's it's, so cool.
0: It's so, it's extremely pleasurable outside of all the whole working on internal shit and social shit. It just, I have fun doing it. I, I'm addicted to it.
1: That's cool, yeah. Yeah, I, remember, I remember coming in, too, and uh, and seeing you. It was, like, one of my first days. Because uh-huh. you, you don't get to do it that much on the time constraint. Yeah, exactly. So, I remember seeing on, uh, like, one of my first days. And I was like, oh, sweet. Uh, that guy's my size. Mm-hmm. Or my height. I'm, I got a little belly on me. But I was like, that guy's my height. And look at him. He's a, I don't remember if you were one or two stripes at the time. But I was like, dude, yeah. and he's, like, getting stripes. So, like, that's awesome. Because everybody else in there is, like, so much bigger. Yeah, they tower over. Huh? Exactly. So, it feels good to be our height. And to be able to do that. And a lot of people see that as a disadvantage to be 5'4", five, 5' five, whatever, you know. But, yeah, so... Um,
0: but that, and I've learned, too, that, um, what do you call it, that, that being small does provide a lot of benefits. and A
1: lot of benefits.
0: I even had a friend, and he's 6'4", uh, 6'5". Six, six, I felt really bad, actually. He was like, uh, so, how, how, or... It must really suck being really short like me. How I'm really tall. Like people must have made fun of you a lot. And I looked at him. I'm like, no, not really. It hasn't yeah. really bothered my life. He's like, really? And he got really
1: <laughs> <sad>. people
2: <laughs> like, people made fun of me. High high high. High.
0: <laughs> high. High. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really work the other way. I'm
2: sorry.
1: Man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get I get made fun of too. But the thing is, I am a I'm a professional smartass. It's written on the board at my work and everything. I wrote my name, nicknamed. The professional smart ass because i love dude i uh, dude, exactly i'm a prima donna like that's what my boss always says he's like all cooks are prima donnas yes all of them are smart asses but i love i i love that though Mm -hmm. you know so i so i i have no problem being the butt of a joke Mm -hmm. so i can dish it i can take it so like that's what i dig about it let's see so overall i I watched your fight about three times Mm -hmm. in preparation for this i saw it live i was there And yeah, yeah dude Uh, So you were the first fight up How do you feel overall about how you did?
0: I felt like I need So going back to being overwhelmed With being in a cold bath So when I Before I got up there Emotionally and intellectually I was very calm and stable And once I got in there I was trying to maintain that calm and stability once i got in there i began to become over and in, just like you're talking about in jujitsu with the mm-hmm. whole holding your head while you're while you see the black floaties yeah um, <laughs> yeah i was trying to do that so that i would not become submissive and uh be a victim to my opponent's strikes or my opponent's um, offense right beyond the defense and so what I needed to do more was be more aggressive and take more control and actually step away and observe what's going on and create a strategy instead of becoming reactionary right. from it because I'm overstimulated. And so I had that moment to where I think it was in the second round. Like I, I had uh, peaks and valleys. So I had moments where I came in and I was like, okay, this is what he's doing. So I need to do this. But then it snapped away mm-hmm. and like trying to... Uh, the next time in another match i need to be able to cultivate that so i can actually observe what's going on and strategize
1: yeah and it's the hardest thing too because they you know live grappling in the gym but yeah. for kickboxing you can't legitimately go 100 percent with your you know because it's like oh you take one bad hit to the head or one bad kick to the knee check it wrong and then boom now you can't fight anymore not for the next year exactly yeah so it's hard to simulate that 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 stress, that that needing to stay on top of it, mm-hmm. needing to not resort back to being reactionary.
0: You see, for me, like, when during sparring, though, I, I do still feel that. To where, like, when I am uh, standing toe-to-toe with someone and we're about to start a round and just sparring at the gym, I am immediately... I see them as, okay, this guy knows how to um, strike better than I do.
2: Yeah. This
0: guy has a strategy. I need to find out how to overcome his strategy. It's never, I have a strategy and I'm going to knock this guy out or from my, if in the gym, I am going to overcome and I'll win this round, for example. Yeah. It's not, It like I said about being insecure, almost habitually, my immediate thought was I'm in trouble. I am going to lose, and right. so I in sparring I felt that to where like after the match now when I spar I have that slight edge and not over the person but over myself. So now when I spar it's not okay. This guy's going to beat the shit out of me, and I need to hopefully try to maintain. It's like ah, oh, I kind of got this. Yeah, and I, I could feel it when they start throwing a punch because instead of throwing a punch and uh, shuffling backward. Right. I'm shuffling forward yeah there we go that makes sense and so w- after the fight that's kind of it became easier to do
1: that yeah yeah so have you have you, have you sparred anymore since the fight
0: um I I have not sparred since the fight yeah. but
1: you've still but you've been in the gym yeah and stuff, I've been yeah. in the
0: gym and then I've been in, in the gym I've been doing more uh shadow boxing and then uh I've rolled too yeah so there's quite a bit of grappling and stuff
1: right on right on but, so, so your fight ended in a draw. Mm-hmm. You know, first fight first first fight of the night ended in a draw. Yeah. Do you feel that that was reasonable?
0: Uh, yeah, I do feel like it was reasonable. Um, I, I felt like it was a little unfortunate that it was the whole TKO or draw thing. Yeah. But I understand why that happened because it's like an open mic, so, you know, you need someone to pump up the crowd, essentially. Yeah.
1: Um, but I would have liked to be able to try to go for points in the end. I agree, because watching your fight so you are such a like what i was talking to you about you're such a calm cool like kind of guy right level-headed one thing that me and josh were talking about is that we were like oh i wonder if will's gonna be able to like get get mad or get aggressive i I shouldn't say mad because you shouldn't you shouldn't be mad while you're doing Mm -hmm. any sort of things like that but yeah exactly like can can he come out there and do that and you did you threw the first like three strikes and you landed the first like i think you landed your your you landed your first kick and you landed a punch like right off the bat yeah you know, and so like, like we we were like taken aback. We were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so amazing!" Right? <laughs> so, like, point wise in the first round. So if I was scoring it, how you score in the in mixed martial arts, like uh-huh. ten, the ten nine rounds and all that stuff, right? Okay. Yeah, you came out you came out super strong, and then I, I feel I don't I don't know what happened, but halfway through the first round he started getting like the uh, the dominance of it. He was still I think maybe it was just the overwhelmed yep. aspect of it. You know, so that first round could have went either way. Now the second round that was like a straight pointed 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 like like fight you had him against the cage you you were connecting on all your on most of your kicks like you were connecting on most of your strikes so i was like okay he would have definitely won that second round and the third round it was like a similar way like the only reason he may have gotten the upper hand at certain points is because He was just being wild with it Mm -hmm. you know he wasn't he wasn't connecting he wasn't throwing with all he had was a like he had a one-two like down the middle exactly so all you had to do was step and kick Mm -hmm. like i don't know the numbers for it right through there yeah yeah exactly so like exactly so like when i was watching it live and i couldn't see all the angles and everything i was like oh man our boy will's like he's getting beat up but then going back and actually watching the fight like like Mm -hmm. a few times i'm like if we were going on points you probably would have taken that so like as as not knowing where the first round went i felt like a draw even if it was going by points i felt like a draw would have been acceptable but i feel like you had honestly you had the upper edge in it see and point wise i do think that
0: a draw definitely would be acceptable just because of uh, i guess the cadence of it with how i was able to assert my dominance i guess through the second round and then i kind of acquiesced in the third round and fell back but pulled through almost yeah I feel like the shots that he landed were a lot more solid.
1: In yeah. Sense. So um, do you feel like uh, cardio at all was an issue in that? Uh, the cardio? Because you could feel like Jesse, you know, Jesse had his mouth open and stuff, kind of breathing a little heavy. So, like, uh-huh. how do you, like, how do you feel you went with that? Because s- you seemed like you had the energy the entire round. Yeah, for me, like, all it the was,
0: um, I, I'd want to say it was a cardio in the sense that to do longer rounds sparring, if you will. So, yeah like I had gas in the gas tank. When I got to the third round it to be able to more effort than it did before.
1: Really? Yes. Okay. And that's
0: where I started getting frustrated because I was in the third round and oh, it's kinda of coming back to me now. That Matt was telling me we beforehand we drilled uh, in the basement <laughs> um how to do it was the, the uppercut and then a nine and come at it with like a two. Yeah. And so, I remembered that, and that's when it came to, and I was like, okay, uppercut nine and a two. This guy's throwing one and a two. I was able to slow down all this, the speed and the chaos of the fight.
1: Yeah. And, and everybody's was, screaming and yelling. Yeah, exactly. By the way, your opponent's girlfriend was uh, sitting right behind Josh and I. Yeah. And, you know, me and Josh aren't confrontational or anything, uh-huh. but, like, she was yelling, like, so much shit, and it's oh. so hard for us just to be like,
0: no, no yeah. like, quiet. Just, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and, like, once I got to that point, though, I was telling myself, "Okay, throw these numbers," and then my body wouldn't do it to the level that I needed it to. And so I would say that, like, I needed to up my cardio, but in the uh, in the fight scenario,
1: more like. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So how how would you go about solving that then? Just longer round sparring in the gym, um, or because you guys do like. Two or three minute rounds Mm -hmm. at a time when you're sparring uh, So that's longer than the 90 seconds that it was There
0: yeah exactly it's uh To be honest with you it's not I have a weird Thing about cardio it's not The fact that I need to build up My gas tank it's that I need to Work my breath in chaotic situations so that i don't start breathing rapidly right when i right. breathe rapidly my ability to move goes down severely
1: yeah and you know i notice that even in jujitsu too like sometimes when you're have somebody heavy on top of you and you're trying to shrimp and shrimp and shrimp and get out like you have to actually realize like close your mouth breathe through your nose deep breaths don't just sit there and try to huff your way through everything yes exactly. so how you were talking about in the third round how like it, w- it took a lot more effort to throw your punches and everything mm-hmm. and that your, it w- it's like your fight cardio was going down a little bit. So did you, was it, was it resorting to instincts in that manner? Because let me tell you what, I saw you throw two knees yep. and knees were not permitted in this fight. It was not a Muay Thai fight. So I saw you clinch <laughs> twice, throw two knees and almost get in trouble for it. So was it just resorting to instinct? It was
0: resorting to instinct. I was like, come on, I just need to grab this guy <laughs> get him on the knees. And it, it's, so that's kind of why, like, thinking about it now and I talk about breathing and you get into this almost panicky kind of uh, breathing and I lose all of my, my ability to throw my punches and I lose my ability to clearly think Yeah, and then I go into that fight or flight stage right and that is when i'm throwing the threes mm-hmm. i started throwing a bunch of threes that's down, all, yeah. and i telegraphed them out because at that point i wasn't fucking thinking i was right. like, i just i need to do this at all costs and right. i got into the knees because i'm like get over here motherfucker! <laughs> 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 yeah yeah
1: exactly <laughs> like i want to take you down, take you down. <laughs> yeah <anything. laughs> yeah Jeez. so are you gonna are you gonna fight again do um, you think or are you gonna do a mixed mar- like full-on mixed martial arts next time or mixed
0: martial arts uh um, and mixed martial arts and grappling, only because the risk for concussion is lower. It's not minimized, or it's, it's lower. It's not. It's not gone completely, especially in MMA. But I, I feel like in kickboxing, TKO or draw. Yeah. Like the the whole the whole point is basically to get. A knockout Because if you get a knockout that, That's like the uh, What do you call it? Icing on the cake Yeah And so with an uh, MMA At the very least I can work my ground game And I can work my submissions And not try to focus on Necessarily knocking my opponents out As my primary strategy and Yeah And I can avoid being knocked out Much more efficiently
1: Yeah or Effectively. Right? And where you said that Jiu Jitsu and pain Are the things that you enjoy The, mo- uh, the most out of it mm-hmm. So that's where you would go And feel comfortable anyways Yes See so like I don't know how much you know of the UFC and stuff, but there's people like Damian Maya who. He is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he's a dominant black belt. So, like, he can go in. He, he has a title shot right now against one of uh-huh. my favorite fighters, right? Ooh. Tyron Woodley. So, it sucks because I want to vote for the... I want to vote for Tyron Woodley because he's, like, that beast, right? Like, yeah. I really love it. Uh, but at the same time, I love the jiu-jitsu aspect of it. And Damian Maya, everybody knows what he's doing when he's going into a fight. Mm. He's going to clinch with you. He's going to take you down. He's going to take you back. He's going to choke you out. But nobody can stop it. Oh. So, it makes me, like, curious, like, like would jujitsu like really be this like the strong dominant like force it was back when the ufc first started yeah so for me like if i ever decided to do mis- mixed martial arts which more than likely i wouldn't mm-hmm. like full-on you know i i like my jiu-jitsu and now with the advent of like the ebi tournaments and the submission only yeah, like tournaments and stuff, yeah. exactly like it's becoming more and more of a possibility and like that's what i'm shooting for now um have you ever done a grappling tournament? And are you going to do, like, Naga that's uh, coming up? And did, then there's Proving Grounds that are coming up as well in a few months. Like, you know, those are to tournaments and then a submission-only tournament. Like,
0: I did Naga in uh, spring down down south by Seattle at the okay. Auburn. Yeah. And at that time, oh, it didn't go so well. Um, what happened was is I was like, I want to take my son. So I picked him up from Idaho Friday night and... I got to Naga Saturday morning.
2: Oh, I see. So I didn't you were... asleep
0: sleep at all because I was like, I want to do this and I want to take my son. And I completely just fucking prepared for it. Yeah. And then I went to... Uh, I competed in, at AKA. So it was basically just a jiu-jitsu smoker. Right, right. And then... Um, I was with my little man, and I got to the point I had an anxiety moment where I, I was rolling with a couple of guys, and then I got to, a, I think it was my it was my last opponent before I got, uh, I lost in the, in the tournament as a whole, and it was a guy about Josh's size, for oh. the audience members out there. Was it
1: just open weight? Yeah. So okay. everyone
0: was, so we had one guy that was six six, and then
1: another guy, and he was
0: all lanky, and then another guy that was Josh's size, for those of you guys who don't know Josh... He's um,
1: 270 pounds. Yes. But he's not a fat 270. He's a stacked 270. Very stacked 270. Yeah. About 5'11. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, I had him on top of me. This guy's probably a little bit heavier than Josh, about in the 300s. Right. Just
1: holding you in side control, I'm assuming.
0: Exactly. And he didn't. So it was more scramble grappling because he was new to it. Oh, okay and So he all weight on my chest That's
1: what it is When, when especially a heavy guy's new. It's just all weight
0: Yep And that's where I was What I was trying to do Is I was trying to fight him with strength Yeah At the time And I guess it had a lot to do with ego Right uh, Not you know Not going for the technique And stuff like this the Guy's bigger than me Yeah. And that didn't work out too well And I panicked And then I lost breath Underneath mm-hmm. him And ended up tapping On a Kimura I
1: think. All Right Yeah okay yeah because uh that's one thing i'm more nervous about and that's why i applaud you with it uh, applaud you with fighting is because like i'm nervous for even a a a grappling tournament you know especially with points i feel even more nervous about that so yeah i I applaud being able to go into a go into a cage feeling that adrenaline and uh being able to stand toe -to to toe with somebody whose goal is to physically hurt you yeah, exactly you know Capacity. at least in jiu-jitsu it's not the goal is i mean the goal is to tap you out but it's to catch you with something in technique it's not just i'm gonna punch this guy in the face yeah. until, he, until he wants to stop
0: See, and that's why i was like okay not i don't want to ride kickbox. i don't want to ride the kickboxing train i want to ride the mma train and the grappling train mainly the grappling because that was it is that this guy literally wants to grind me into the ground yeah and, that was a very big learning lesson for me because uh going back to the whole uh, dominance paradigm is that i even in the gym i've kicked people and through sparring and i would say i'm sorry i would (laughs) i would let up on power because i was like i don't want to put this person in pain right but when you're kickboxing that is literally the the currency of what you're doing—that that is the goal. Yeah, exactly.
1: that is the pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and, and so that put me into a situation where I had to let go of all my predefined notions on how I treat people. Right. And um, where was that going with that? Oh, and in grappling, I hope it serves me well in grappling. But um, in terms of those nerves, though, I always liken it to—or I would like to remind you of. What you were talking about beyond that like the wall of discomfort yeah to feel the and fear and pleasure. do it in yeah exactly that's like the same thing with the stage is that I am very socially I have a lot of social anxiety right um but See- No, sorry.
1: Uh, Dude, the stage is something like I never have had an issue with. Really? See, even through all the music, like I love that because people are there to see you. Like, that's it. But the thing is, like, I know you do a little bit of comedy, right? Mm -hmm. Now, my best friend's a comedian. Uh So, like, I went with her. Yeah, I went with her to 13 open mics in a row, 13 weeks in a row. And she eventually started doing it, felt comfortable, and she didn't need me there anymore. But, like, yeah. So the stage for comedy, it's especially with open mics. it's, Now with music, man, I'm like you guys paid to see me. I can do or say whatever I want, and you guys can't say anything. Drama class in high school helped me with that more than anything else. Is breaking that. So, like, what were you saying about the stage? Is that where you feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Uh,
0: it, it's discomfort originally. Like, I, my palms are sweaty, hands are kind knees of
1: weak, shaking. arms are heavy. Sorry, but, no, I was like know, knees weak, hands. arms are heavy. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: I think that's eight miles, isn't it? Yep, yep. <laughs> and it, it's going up there. After that, that feeling of like, I why am I doing this? I need to leave. I want to be small. I want to hide. Oh my god, I'm up here. Oh, this feels really good. Oh, wow. I, I don't. I don't want to get down. And that's <laughs> where it was the same in uh, with grappling, and also the same with kickboxing. Right. Like. It, it helped inform that. So when I was going up and doing the match, surprisingly, I had no anxiety. Like I, I felt. So you sorry.
1: didn't feel like. Uh huh. Oh, okay. I
0: even less than I have ever. Like getting up on the stage gave me way more anxiety. Going up there, like down, being down there, it wasn't. I wasn't running anything through my mind. I was just certain, and it wasn't certain of uh, success. It was certain that I'm gonna be okay, and certain that I can prevail.
1: Dude, that that's beautiful. Yeah. Like like legitimately, because it's like you've done all that you can do to get to that point. You know your game plan. There's nothing else to be done at that point. You just have to go and do it. Yes. And that that's exactly what that's exactly what life should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, exactly. There's those feelings of being uncomfortable. Like I will be when I go and do these tournaments. Yes you know but it's like if this is where i want to be in my life Uh and what i want to do with it is to be able to be at that high level of grappling that i want to be at you have to do it and i mean man it feels jiu-jitsu isn't not is isn't an arrogant game No, no, it's not not at all but man it feels good when you arm bar somebody who's like twice your size Oh yes, especially like yeah like like i love it i caught before before he left i caught josh with with something and uh it was like the best feeling in the world and i'm sh- i'm sure that there was Or what happened was he made a mistake yep. that led to me being able to catch him and but that it's enough for me mm-hmm. you know but still i feel validated and, and and i feel bad when i get jealous when other people get stripes like and, and that's a real thing yeah. and i and i and i've talked to josh about it i was like what can i do to stop feeling jealous mm-hmm. and it's like there's there's not any way And it's like it's not a healthy way to feel when someone's getting someone's doing great so i'm like mm, i should be doing better yeah but but, like, it just fuels you even more. It you know does. what I
0: mean? Someone's seen someone else accomplish things, and you want to accomplish that same thing as
1: exactly. well. Exactly. But that's it just fuels you. It just makes you want to go more. It's like, cool, I, I'm already coming five times a week. Let's make it six it's times a week.
0: And that's how it is with me is that, like, every time I'm not there, I have this sensation that, like, man, there's people that are working hard right now. Oh, I, need to I need to be yeah. working. I need to – because I need, I need catch up now. It's like, yeah. oh, fuck.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's like, okay, well, let me throw on – YouTube, or like, you know, there are credible people on YouTube, yep. and credible things you can look up to be like, okay, well then let me just sit in my living room and practice this shrimp. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and I've done that plenty of times. Let me go over this arm bar in my head a million times. Like, I have a, I have a sandbag, an old school sandbag oh, for shit. like kickboxing and stuff. Yeah, I have multi pads. I have all of that from when I was a kid. And uh, I mean, I mean, they're adult sizes that my grandfather bought for us, knowing that this is something we would end up doing. Yeah. And so yeah. you just practice on that sandbag. So overall Did you enjoy the fight Did you enjoy your experience I What was the best part What was the worst part I And what did it feel like Getting punched in the face
0: oh, I enjoyed it Very much I The best part Was Honestly The best part Was before It was talking to Nate My opponent mm. And being able So you talked to him before. Yeah, I, that's cool. Yeah, he, him and I, we came up to each other about um, what is it? He was. We're talking about kind of just our lives, and being able to get to know him and see that he is just a person too. Kind of contradicts everything that I was saying <laughs> about like uh, trying not to hurt people, but creating this human aspect of my opponent. It, it was my favorite part because I was able to see that someone is literally putting everything on the line in order to test themselves. and the, Test themselves it,
1: against you, it, you exactly. know? Exactly.
0: And not to to maim and destroy me as a human being, but it's his own internal thing. Like, he didn't come at me like, I'm going to fucking murder you. Yeah, He was just like, hey, how's it going, man? And, and to see that, it really took it all down for me. So it stopped... It helped uh, quiet the game of ego. Like, right, am I better than this person? Does he think he's better than me? Right, and it, it reaffirmed a lot of the things that I felt like I was kind of learning. Okay, and yeah. The worst part for me was when I felt like my uh, my strategy was cracking. So where I started getting into that point to where it was, I was just all physical and going into instinct. So I, I lost. I don't want to say. Control, but it's the best word that I have, where I lost control of my mind. Right. And I wasn't doing any of the strategy that I intended, and I was just reacting to him. And,
1: but. Yeah. And the amazing part of the human mind is you can, and eventually will, reprogram your mind to when you fall to those instincts, they're instincts you should be falling to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, this is your first amateur fight, and it ended on a positive note. It didn't end on a bad note. You got a draw. You did extremely well, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you had your team there—not just Jesse and Rory, but you also had you know me and Josh were there. Your coach was there, yeah, exactly. You know, like even Morgan was there. So it's like it's like you did so well, and everybody was standing right behind you while you're doing it.
0: Actually, to be honest with you, now that you bring that up, the best part was the re- was knowing that I had a community. Yeah, and that that sense of belonging above anything else, and including even with Nate, because knowing that we're both here to try to be the best versions of ourselves at this discipline, and then looking out and then seeing that there's other people there supporting me, who not supporting me because they think I'm like some you know cool guy or because they think like mma is something cool to watch supporting me because they know what it's like to be able to go to go through that struggle and that strife yeah and and wanting me to be successful as a person not for their own interests just because it's a friend it's a part of that community yeah seeing matt there to be being there to support me and putting all of his effort into me yeah and my teammates even doing the same thing like that feeling will Felt like coming home
1: Yeah See exactly When you're done And you have those people there Waiting for you Yeah You know Like it you were done everybody like all you guys were done and we all kicked it you exactly. know that, that's the that's the amazing part i always played team sports growing up other than wrestling i played uh-huh. team sports and that was one of my biggest fears about jujitsu is it's you versus i always thought it was going to be you versus the world or you versus your opponent like, yeah. you don't have your team there but your team's there every single round that i have rolled or you have rolled or you have sparred every single person when you're throwing those kicks you threw those kicks at page he like your team's there cuz your team has helped has helped you every step along the way. Exactly. You know, like if you were just kicking a bag, it wouldn't be as successful. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I I think that's think that's awesome.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, it it was it's fucking cool. And the other thing too about it being like there's the individual aspects. Individual in the sense like that you cannot rely on other people's strengths to carry you through either. That's Again, true. That's where I like the balance of it is that it, it's an individual pursuit with the backing of a community because it took you a community to be able to integrate all of these techniques in, into, into you. And I, I like that because I've been in team environments before where I would um, use my personality to delegate what I was supposed to do. Because I was afraid that I wasn't capable, and the people around me were the only ones capable. Right. So, like that's going back to the fight, um, it put me into that. It forced me into that position where, like, bitch, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you need to do this. If you do not do this right now, it is now or never. Exactly. And
1: yeah. And now you did it. You felt, and you feel great about it. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, and that's exactly. amazing.
0: Yeah, and, um, are you gonna do uh, Naga in September?
1: I will do Naga. Ooh. I was I was super hesitant on it because I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the point systems, mm-hmm. but I've talked to a couple people in our gym. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm gonna do Naga. Ooh. I'm also uh, gonna do what's it called? You got a mean ground game too. or so. <laughs> hmm. pa- uh, proving grounds. Yes, proving grounds proving 12s. Grounds. It is a submission-only grappling tournament out of Green River College.
0: Yeah, I know where that is. I've been down there for a couple of matches.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go down there and do that, and those will be my first tournaments. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. I, I wanted to get one more, you know, ooh. one submission challenge at LiveWire, AKA or something, and, yeah. you know, but I don't know. And it's, it's something I'm, like, super nervous about, but mm-hmm. I'm super pumped to do it because I get to prove myself yep. against people, and... I know how to learn. I know how to become better and that's repetition and drilling. Mm-hmm. So I have a whole game plan. Really? Of how to get better. I, could, I, could I already, already go f- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I already and it's not even like the game plan of what I'm going to do at those tournaments. It's like the game plan of how I'm going to get better to get yeah. to that tournament. I already go 5 times a week, you know, and I'm and for my girlfriend's sake <laughs> and for my body's sake, I'm going to probably you know i'm probably going to take one more day off a week just just for healing purposes and when i take it off i take it off physically i don't take it off mentally i'm still at home and i'm still doing research and stuff every night but yeah and and drilling it's the easiest thing whenever i've whenever i've talked to anybody about like learning how it isn't to learn a technique drill it three times learn the next part of that technique drill it three times learn the next part of that technique it's going in there on your days off and doing that same technique a hundred times, so transitioning to that omoplata from the guard becomes that. Yeah. Exactly. And and doing it with that resistance, because I mean, I could throw any of our guys on the ground and be, or not throw any of our Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I could yeah, I could <laughs> roll with any of our guys and be like, hey, I'm gonna roll into an omoplata a bunch of times. Like, and they'd be like, cool, and they'd let me do it. But the point's the resistance. Yeah. Exactly. It's always different when there's another when there's a physic when there is a man physically f- stopping you mm-hmm. from doing what it is you're trying to do and they always say enforce your will on somebody and it's like that's what that's what you have to do and you have to drill that
0: yes exactly
1: yeah and it's so much chess i didn't realize it it's so much like chess because you're literally baiting like switching sweeping and Mm -hmm. ultimately defeating somebody like by your strategy yeah
0: and see that's where i i felt like an idiot because it was not when i i guess when i said machismo That is also what I was talking about, was that it's an intellectual thing. Like, all of it, even kickboxing, as brutal as some people might perceive it, it is very intellectual because it is mind games. It's all it is because once you get to the highest level, people... I mean, there's there's room. There's a lot of room there, but people... It's not a question of technique. It's a question of implementation. Yeah. Like, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, drilling, too, uh, with archery... Um, you have this thing where you have to split your mind. Mm-hmm. So, the one of the 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 forms that someone put out there, uh, Larry Wise, he talks about doing back tension. It's an excellent book, but it, it's about you got to tell your physical body to be able to engage and draw the arrow the same way every single time. Because if you do it with your uh, cognitive mind. Your cognitive mind is going to engage all these muscles, and it's um, it's going to do it differently every time. It's inconsistent. Yeah. So, you have to essentially blind fire, close your eyes, don't even aim at all, and fire countless times until your body does the same thing without thinking about it, like playing the guitar. You exactly. Don't think about the the uh, the. Key. Not the keys, but the strings. The strings and the frets. Yes. And you don't think
1: about the notes. Exactly. And especially for a musician who can sing and like, play at the same time and stuff. That's what it is. Yeah. It's like literally you're not, you're not even focusing on either one of those. Like you are somewhere, your mind's like split. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird, weird thing to feel. Yeah,
0: it, it is. And that's where like with the archery is once you get to that point and you have everything, it's become intuitive, the physical aspect then you have to focus your mind, your cognitive mind, on aiming. And you can feel the split. And so when you're doing these drills, I I feel like it's the same thing. Whereas you're drilling it so that your your physical task-performing mind is able to do these things without your cognitive mind stepping in and thinking about imagining how to do it. And so your cognitive mind can be left to the task of saying okay this is the way that i feel pressure this way right so when i do pressure i'm gonna go this way yeah and i i feel like your cognitive mind uh, it can think in abstract terms but it's slow yeah Whereas you're like if someone comes up and tries to hit me my hands are up i didn't think about it cause yeah quick exactly and i always think it's like a like um a hard drive in a computer Whereas, mm-hmm. like, um, you have your native uh, operating system, and then you have all your software that you download onto it. Yeah. Your operating system, it's not, it has no, uh, it only has a read capacity. It can't write to it. Right. So, you, everything's all hard strapped shit, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, like, it's the same thing. Like, the human mind has implemented this even with pain, with hot, with fire. You touch something hot, and before you even realize what you're doing, you pull. You pull you've already pulled your hand yes. away. You know, and it's so funny because whenever I burn myself at work, it's always that thought. Like I'm like, and it's like, oh, I didn't cognitively pull my hand away. Like yes. your body does it. And I mean, like, and and with jujitsu, it's it's tough because like you have somebody in your guard. You roll. Mm-hmm. You transition to an omoplata, and if you're thinking about it, almost like you will almost always miss a step. Now, you one of the step I always forget is to put my arm over their back. They roll out of it. And I'm like, great. Now, I've, I've lost everything. I had a solid position. Now, I lost all of it because of one move. But now that I've drilled it so many times, so many times, it's, like, instinctual. My Like, before I even realize where I'm at, like, I, I think in my head, I'm a pilota. Roll to it. Before I even, like, my next thought process, I'm in that position, arm over their back. Okay, how do I finish this? This you is my know. next thought. You know, I'm in that position. And it's all about transitions, and it's all about drilling. One of my favorite jiu-jitsu practitioners is Rich- Richie Boogeyman Martinez. oh
0: that's a cool name. Yeah, dude, he has the coolest <laughs> name. Dude. Like,
1: Boogeyman, him and his brother. Boogeyman. Him and his brother were uh, both black belts through 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu from uh-huh. Eddie Bravo, Ooh. and they both earned their, uh, earned their black belts in three and a half years. Wow. They came from a breakdown breakdancing background. Yeah, and I
0: heard Eddie Bravo talking about breakdancing. is really good to step into. A exactly. To to
1: interrupt you. No, no, you're good. And they would train four times a day and they both got their black belts in three and a half years. Wow. I think Richie's was a little bit longer. But he. Uh, the point, he always says drillers make killers. And that's exactly what it is. It's like you have Driller. to drill to do it. And if that means I pay a hundred bucks for three private lessons so I can literally have just an hour alone with my coach just to drill these things over and over and over again, yep. that's what I'm going to do. And my whole plan for this it is like literally it is going to be private lessons mm-hmm. it's going to be like on top of what I'm already doing and it's going to be hey I want to focus this day on what I'm good at and I want to be better than what I already am at it. so yes. if I if I'm good at this sweep let's do this sweep for 30 minutes if you know and then it, then like the rest it's like let's focus on what I'm bad at so I'm bad at this transition let's do that transition for 30 minutes I don't want to roll like I with these I don't want to roll mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything but what am I good at? Let's get better at it. What am I bad at? Let's get to where I should be at it. Oh. And I feel like if I do that enough times, I will get to the point of where I want to be. And 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 see, like the beauty the beauty of it is, it makes our coach feel good mm-hmm. to have people dedicated to his gym. It makes him feel good financially. Yeah. And it makes him feel good to, it will make him feel good to see us achieve what we want to achieve with this. Mm-hmm. You know. And if I move away in a year obviously I have to go to a different gym but for him to be able to know and it's uh, and it's it's the same thing with teaching mm-hmm. it's like to be able to know that he gave me that baseline for my future in that sport same thing like I said same thing with teaching like it'd be elementary school for me yes. what I'd want to do would be elementary school kids like Roman's age oh, you know yeah, like you know, kids who so know what they're supposed to be too. doing yes. they're, like, they're smart asses just mm-hmm. like I am but That's kids that you can it. get them excited about it you can instill that baseline knowledge for them for their future and know and feel good about yourself knowing like even if I never see this motherfucker again <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he I, like, at least I gave him the next step to what he wants to achieve in his life whether it's to be a police officer whether it's to he's selling coke and he needs to realize no I'm just kidding yeah, but, no. but you know profit margins that's yeah, all I'm saying exactly, but like margins. whatever it needs to whatever it needs to be like teaching a kid how to add 2 plus 2 you know we all had to learn it at some point and we still use basic math and every single day you know what i mean
0: i will throw that out there too is that uh every human being who says that they suck at math and they hate math doesn't was poorly taught there's no like we're talking about right now jujitsu and these other skills for, for there's nothing i don't believe anything that there's nothing that you're innately bad at i think it's uh a mindset. Sometimes you come into it with a mindset where you're staying. And most often times, like math teachers, for example, staying fucking children where most of us now hate math.
1: Exactly. It's all about the motivation and it's all about the... It Actually, I can't say it's all about the motivation because one of my stupid quotes I always say is, it's not about the motivation, it's about the dedication. It's about doing what you... It's about doing what you need to do even when you don't want to do
0: it. Discipline is freedom, motivation is unreliable. Okay? <laughs> there we go, right? <laughs>
1: so, like... You need to be able to get kids excited about what they're, what they're going to be doing. And there there are ways to do it. My teacher, my second and third grade teacher, was the same teacher. Her name was Mrs. Brooks. And she was the most amazing person in my life. And I remember her to this day. And I remember stupid songs that she taught us that at the time I thought were stupid about how to remember how to multiply and how to remember the, what the continents are. Song, All right. Well, yeah, I think it's just the basic, like, like continents one. It's like... uh like North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, don't forget Australia, don't forget Antarctica. Oh. Exactly, right? Oh, dude, <laughs> I never like, yeah. You never heard that? Like you never heard that? Well, that's yeah. A dude, exactly. <laughs> so it's like knowing that it's like, oh crap, there's seven continents. Oh crap. Oh, this is what they all are, you know? Yeah. Or it's like I learned off of Drake and Josh, the oh, dude, I love Drake. Drake and Josh. and Josh, right? I learned what all the planets were from that and it's mm-hmm. like just like implementing things in a fun way and I feel like even with my musical background and my mm-hmm. like being able to apply that to learning, it it can make it can inspire people, and it's like I just wish that teachers and and it sucks because they're not everybody becomes a teacher not for the money, mm-hmm. they they do it because they want to change their life they want to be that that thought when that kid's thirty years old, yes. and to be happy to be able to look back and be like I remember mr nelson mm-hmm. you know and what he taught me like i remember like or even like with jiu-jitsu i help out in kids class like, yeah it's like oh crap you know mr alfie or mr alfred they call me <laughs> like he taught me you know how to sit back on my heels properly and like you know when i'm getting arm barred how to stack somebody you know like yeah. i guess it's Matt teaching them but i'm helping them mm-hmm. so like I I love that and like that's what I feel like Matt can overall like our coach can overall have with us in the future it's like even if we don't stay there forever this drilling that I'm going to be doing, getting ready for Naga. Cause I'm going to train yeah. for Naga and I'm going to train for proving grounds as if it was an MMA fight. Mm-hmm. You know, people weight cut, people train for three months at a time for one specific fight. And it's like, that's what I'm going to do with this because anything I want to do, I want to be the best at it. I was a dishwasher and I was the best fucking dishwasher that place had in like in, in years, you know? So it's like, that's my goal. And eventually, if I'm if I'm not here anymore, then at mm-hmm. least like he can have that, he can have that excitement, knowing like, hey, if he becomes a black belt one day, like I gave him his blue belt, you know, yeah, whenever yes. that comes. But I like the thing is, I set time limits on myself. Like there always has to be an a, an extrinsic force pulling me towards it, because there's intrinsic and extrinsic forces, and mm-hmm. I'm chasing. Okay, so uh, a best way is a metaphor that I heard on from Elliot Hulse, right? This guy was lacking motivation to train, and he was like, I I have an opportunity for a scholarship, but I I don't want to train. I don't know why I don't want to, like, train to help me get better at that. Yeah. And uh, how he explains it is he's like, you don't have the extrinsic force, like, pulling you to do it because you're not worried about money. Mm. Because, you know, if it was a... Cuban kid who's eating potatoes once a day yeah like you bet your ass he would be doing everything he'd be training he'd be up at six o'clock in the morning running mo- running laps to get that to get that like signing bonus to scholarship to whatever Hungry. to go play That's, yeah yeah exactly to get that you know and uh, he obviously he doesn't have that need for that I can't say he does but he might have like his dad who has a lot of money or not uh-huh. it's like but he doesn't have that like the intrinsic is he doesn't have that dog. Fighting at his ass because uh-huh. if you if you woke up every morning and there's a dog growling at you and your only way to get away from it is to run
2: yeah then you'd
1: be up every day training to keep that dog off your ass so you don't have like that fire burn like, you don't have that thing pushing you but you don't have that thing pulling you uh-huh. you know so for me my goal and don't ever tell matt this because yeah. talking about belt ranks you know makes any coach upset but my goal is to have my blue belt by march 7th of 2018 mm-hmm. that would be exactly one year since I started training jiu-jitsu okay. now I got my third stripe within four months so that's I think that's achievable you know I had somebody tell me that they'd be surprised if I had it they wouldn't be surprised if I had it by the end of the year but like yeah. those goals in my mind like are things that help me push and push and push yes. me to do, do this and I'm you know, on I'm running towards that belt rank I'm running towards yeah. the those skills you know at the same time though it's not necessarily healthy to yeah. to feel that way about you know because it's not about that it's about the journey. Yeah, but.
0: I think it it is about the journey. But I, I talked to this about with uh, Joe Rowetter Okay. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And it's having these like micro goals, for example. And he, he, I think though, there's a difference, and you can tell. You can tell with your mindset. Whereas if you're obsessive and you're like, well, I just want the belt, and you don't want to do any of the work. Right. And I I think like. Your the intensity, and tenacity that you come at with jujitsu from knowing, from getting to know you. Um, it's evident that your goals are, sound very healthy to me, and that you're not actually just trying to rush for that achievement. Yeah, it, it sounds like like the the way that you're you're so deep and addicted to this. And yeah, and, and addicted that,
1: is the best way to put it.
0: You're outlining <laughs> it, and you're doing all of these drills you're not trying to take any shortcuts it almost sounds like you're trying to go deeper so you can understand it personally more right and it's almost uh, I would almost say that the belts are merely a side effect of what you're going after like right something to reaffirm that oh okay I am getting more knowledgeable and it's not like oh, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get a belt quickly right because you're like I want to learn this quickly how do I in- ingest all this information with right. a different thing and Sometimes though, when you talk to someone at face value, it's hard to discern that unless right. you know have a deeper conversation. But
1: exactly. So, so that okay, that re- that reaffirms it because I always thought that it was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always thought that it was unhealthy to to almost have those goals. But I guess as long as it's not being like a, I'm not trying to get it quick. Yeah. It's exactly. like a the only time I get yeah the only time I actually like really think about it is when I'm like doing pretty good. You know, like and, and it one thing that really Showed me is that like I I tapped out a four stripe white belt and then he got promoted to a blue belt ten minutes Ooh, later. Yeah. You know, so that that uh, reaffirmed me. I was like, I'm getting good. Like that that was yeah. like the first step where I'm like, I'm actually doing this. But I it's there's a thin line between arrogance and confidence.
0: And that's exactly what I meant by it's very difficult to discern at face value through a conversation with someone unless you have a deeper conversation. <laughs> there you go. And you can see <laughs> You can kind of see the difference between the um, arrogance and confidence in the way that, like, you're willing to do all the hard work. You don't. You're not even just willing to do all the hard work. You're asking for the hard work. Yeah. And like, that's the thing though that I, I like about jujitsu. For is that it's not about how intense you perform. It's about how in, how intense and astute a learner you are. Yeah. Because I have, like, you take, like, Jesse, for example. When he went into his kickboxing match, he went in there with a lot of intensity, and he was able to um, fucking send fear down his opponent and make his opponent question, you know, whatever strategy that he had. Yeah. Which is awesome, and Jesse did a really good job in his fight. And I was very proud of him. Right, but if you were to do that in jujitsu, you would most likely get gassed out very quickly. Yeah, and it it wouldn't it wouldn't serve you in jujitsu, and that's the thing that like um, what do you call it? That's why I love it, is because it really makes you face your own shit. Yeah, but also though, like once again, what I'm saying is that yeah, you really seem to just be oh, damn. <sighs>
1: yeah, yeah. I've only felt you only feel passions like this for a few things in life, and. It was music? Yeah. I did that for seven years nonstop. Damn, seven years? Yep, and I've done little projects since then that didn't really pan out or anything, have you, but... Have you contemplated taking music to, like, the professional level, or no? I've been paid for shows. Oh, have you? Yeah. Or
0: like, what are we talking about paid for shows?
1: Like, uh, I mean, going and playing a show, and at the end of the... at the the end of the, When you go to leave, the promoter hands you a couple hundred dollars. Now, oh. granted, that couple hundred dollars gets split between yeah, five people, but that technically puts you on a professional level mm-hmm. now i know the formula it sounds so like weird but like it, i know the formula of how to do it mm-hmm. it's just i managed that band i uh, book shows i handled all the financial aspects of it i had a friend who was like that yeah exactly and it's just like in life i'm not looking to do that mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. i'm not looking to be the manager of yeah. i mean i'm the pe- person in charge of my work but i'm not looking to like manage another band mm-hmm. so if I'm gonna do music again it's gonna be a band that's already established a band where I don't have to do anything but enjoy playing the music yeah I don't want to do I don't want to book shows I don't want to deal with money I don't want to hassle band stupid fucking band members who can't yeah, remember to bring their cable to a show basically no, servitude we had, yeah we had a our guitarist and I love the I love the guy to death yeah but he was we had a show in Everett he was halfway to uh, he was in Marysville I forgot my guitar at home what? Yeah. It got to the point where we had to tell... Like, my roommate was in the band as well, and it got to the point where we had to tell him, like, no, we're not asking people if you can borrow cables anymore. If you forget something, it's your responsibility to go and do it. Of course. Exactly, so.
0: And repercussions, man, if there's actual, legitimate consequences. Otherwise, people... Uh, just fucking do whatever works for them, or the easy, the path of least resistance. Exactly,
1: they, and it's the unprofessional aspect of it, too, that, that was just annoying, but... Like I said, he's a, he's a great guy. He's one of my best friends for the longest times. Yeah. But like I said, at this point in my life, it's like I don't want to do anything, where, or, or at least with music, musically, that I don't have to... I don't want to be in charge anymore. Yeah,
0: exactly. You don't want to do something where, where you're forced to uh, to do work. And I don't mean work because you know what I mean by
1: work. I know what you mean by work. And like that's kind
0: of where how I got into poetry and then eventually into stand-up was because I was trying to get into hip-hop. This goes... Um, back into teaching because i was taught a lot about life i saved i didn't have to go through a lot of struggles because of hip-hop right because of the artists that i listen to they use their music as a
1: platform for teaching yeah and it's I, hard to find music like that nowadays yes it
0: is and yeah. i was like okay cool i want to do this too and i really liked writing but i had a friend who was in a similar position for you in a psychobilly band and he, they were doing really well but he was like the drummer would quit out on him no one would show up for practice he doesn't yeah. put all this shit together I'm like alright man I can't get a DJ to uh, or a producer rather to be able to uh, cut tracks for me so I can write so I'm just going to do poetry yeah and, and I understand the difficulty there Are do you like so are you in a band now
1: uh no I'm no. not in a band now. I mean, like, we never, like, officially broke up, but we haven't done anything in, like, a year. What kind of music did you play? It was metal music. Really? Yeah, but oh. it was more on the progressive side of it. So, like, there it was unclean vocals, but we, at the, at the point where we kind of stopped is w- where we were delving into the more, the... Because we were always progressive. We were always trying to be, like, different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we, we never could get a uh, clean... Because clean, clean singers are hard to come by. Clean singers as
0: in, like, uh, vocals? Vocals, yeah. what they say. Okay.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, vocally. But- yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I got really good at that. My brother was the vocalist in the band and everything. And, um, so we were trying to do more, and we, we had a lot of, like, potential. And, I mean, we did. We fulfilled a lot of our potential and i mean i even jinxed us because we played a, we opened up for mayhem fest which is one of the biggest shows of that oh. magnitude and i was like this could be the biggest show we ever played we ever play as a band and it was That's- it's really cool but yeah after a while everything kind of lives get in the way things yeah. kind of die out drummers move this and that you know it's and so
0: difficult even just as an individual to be able to maintain these things for the sake si- for
1: success exactly and, but and another it? genre i was looking into is i bought a guitar and i was playing um i call it like garage rock like if you know who the rat counters or cage the elephant yeah cage yeah exactly elephant. Where okay. like the lyrics like the, the lyrics are cool and it's fun i, I want i wanted fun yeah. but then all the musicians around here that i could find i'm not saying they're the only ones but most of the musicians around here i could find were more in it for the aesthetic than they were for the music, uh, so you can go on their Instagrams and see them taking black and white pictures of them in poofy hats, where they look like people from the you know people from the seventies and yeah. stuff. And it, and it becomes more for that than it becomes for the music. Yeah, or people like playing one riff for an entire twelve minutes, cutting it on Audacity and calling it a song. Yeah. I know the formula to make a music to make a band. I I have it. I have it like legitimately written down. I know how to do it, but to find the musicians that will actually work. within that Mm -hmm. it's hard especially nowadays so many things are online so if you can find it if you could write music and one person can do this but i don't want to do it yeah you know what i mean my roommate he can do it musically but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to go out and do the music like that you know what i mean
2: yes
1: yeah and it's especially it makes it so much easier now with media Mm -hmm. you know um So there's like there's a formula to it, and you can do it, but finding people who are actually willing to put in the work is the hardest part about it.
0: Which that's what makes it, in a way, lucrative because then it it creates like a a what is it uh, a disproportionate amount of people who are successful and aren't successful. Yeah, and I mean once again, no resume, uh, meaning there's all these internal pitfalls, which makes which is the barrier to entry.
1: Right and i mean in seattle and in bellingham like there are so many big venues and yeah. so many small venues so like there are like we we are literally in such a perfect place mm-hmm. to for for music to grow and expand and like that's why i love seeing like r- um i don't want to i don't want to call them rappers yeah. but you know what i mean like musicians yeah, hip-hop like, artists, hip-hop stuff, artists yeah. there we go that's that's <laughs> the word for it you know to come out of here and i love seeing that because it's like dude we are we, are, we reside in the mecca you could drive. You can drive an hour to get to Seattle, you can drive 45 yep. minutes to get to Bellingham, you can drive 5 hours to get to Portland like like Cal- we're on the west coast. You mm-hmm. can drive to the California like people book tours all the time. Like there's a metal band that we played with who is still doing it and they go on tours. From Seattle to Portland to Salem to Eugene to Northern California through Sacramento. Like oh, wow. People, and it's so, and it's not even as expensive. If you're a grown-ass adult and have a job, it's yes. not as... I'm, I'm kind of salty about the whole thing. But yeah, know, like I if know. you're a grown-ass adult yeah. and you have a job and you can put money forth into it, it's not hard to do. The hardest part about it is to find the dedicated people who are willing to do it. Yes. And, and that goes with anything, not just music, but anything in life.
0: It is. And it's... I think, like, even in music, you know, taking it down to jiu-jitsu and watching you and how you're breaking all of this down, and it takes that form of dedication, Yeah. and once again, that that is the barrier to entry, and then the barrier to uh, to professionalism is even greater, and it's not that, like, oh, this is insurmountable, no, it's very, very much attainable, yeah. you just want to buckle down and get the fuck to it, but...
1: Anything in life is attainable, almost anything in life yeah. is attainable, you exactly. know what I mean? So... Like even back to cooking, mm-hmm. you could be you could be that that head chef if you wanted to that one in a million, but it takes the right doors and it takes the right dedication. And
0: that pitfall though, like I my head chef, my head chef, um, my former head chef in Sandpoint, he was doing fine dining. Sandpoint.
1: In, yeah. Wait, Sandpoint in Seattle? Uh,
0: no, Sandpoint, Idaho. Oh, oh, Sandpoint in Seattle. Exactly. Idaho.
1: That's the name of the country club that has the job waiting for me down there Oh if I wow, want. that's true. Yeah. Right. Oh,
0: that's very serendipitous. Right. Um, and he was you know, that's his that's his end. Yeah. Is um he's like nice town, resort town or whatever, they we bust out three to five million dollar summers Damn, and there's just five dude. people in the back of the kitchen mm-hmm. and there's people like rapping around the building. I a mean, hundred thousand dollars a year, calcium deposits in his back, so on and so forth. But the pitfall is is that he's gotten offered a job in Seattle at a even more like i don't know five-star michelin restaurant or something like that right and it would be more conducive to his uh happiness or living a fulfilling life meaning he does not have to be there on a fucking holiday yeah like that this guy is the top level guy and he has to be there 14 hours yeah a day sometimes and so the pitfall would be is that is falling to complacency in, yeah, you know exactly. In just an Falling into that front. rut. Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, the thing that I like about, though, like within jujitsu jitsu and uh, comedy, for instance, is another one where it's you can't fall into that rut because there is no rut like that. There is yeah. no, like, you know, just getting by version of it. There's You either do this all the way or you're going to do it as a hobby, man.
1: Exactly. And so, like, I, for cooking, I thought that it's what I wanted to do and I did all the research. Who,
0: who changed your mind on that one? Like,
1: um Okay, what changed my mind is when I lost that job, yeah. I, I started working as a dishwasher, I was working nights and I, to do this, nights uh-huh. are, nights are what you're gonna what you're gonna do. Now, I want a family. I want a baby. I not not right now. I'm not yeah. saying that now, but like that's my future. I want to be a family man. And uh, I was examining the the things in my life that I wanted at the time, you know, that I enjoyed doing. So there was cooking, there was teaching, there was X, y and Z and when i put them side by side teaching overall would bring me more happiness something i could do for longer something that wouldn't stress me out as much like is you can the teaching is stressful don't get me wrong but cooking is an everyday stress every single one person messes up like you you are that person Mm -hmm. with summers it would give time for all of that in the afternoon summer's off Mm -hmm. It's granted, it's only 60, you know, it's about averages between 50 and 60 thousand a year. But if you look at a chef's salary, Mm -hmm. it's about the same as that, and it's a lot. And yeah, the return on it, too, the return on uh, the fulfillment aspect of it,
0: exactly. Like. Well, even when you look at a chef, just like you're saying, is uh, best spot is nights. Yeah, and if you're looking at like a nice restaurant like Canlis in Seattle, yeah, that one is not like art on the table. That is not exhibition cooking. That is simply some of the most fine dining and esteemed restaurant in Seattle that's open seven days a week. And it, you go on nights, and then as you, if if you even opened up your own fucking restaurant, and as you get better on it, it becomes servitude again because. More people want to go there, so that means that... It's such
1: a hard thing to say or to do because you start doing what you love for money. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to start despising the thing that you love because now you have to do it. And,
0: see, and that's what I mean by the servitude thing. So exactly, if, yeah. If you're a painter, for instance, as long as you're not retarded with your money and letting it leak between your fingers... Like, if you did, I don't know, six paintings and you... Cat, this is probably stupid and inaccurate, but you got $100,000. You don't need to do the six, the six other paintings, even though people are requesting them. It's, yeah. You could even tell them, fuck off, wait two years, and I'll
1: put out a painting.
0: Exactly. Whereas, it was like, when you're a restaurant, it's do or die. It's,
1: it's do or die, and it's do or die every single day. I work in a restaurant where the only other cook is the owner, mm-hmm. and let's just say he's not the... He's not the best guy to work with, yeah. Um, because he owns a restaurant, so he can get away with not doing oh, or not yeah. doing whatever he wants to do, you know. So it's like I've been slowly but surely, though I don't have to work with him anymore. Which he actually, I talked to him about my plan, and yeah. he likes it. Oh wow! But exactly, so he's like, I don't want. She's like, I'd wish I didn't have to cook anymore. Mm-hmm. So now we're working on training another person to come in and step off the, basically oh. bringing up promoting somebody and yeah. hiring somebody to take that guy's spot, and he likes the idea. You know, so it's like you you get stuck in that rut of doing it every single day, and you can tell his heart's not in it. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't go and do as much as he could, you know, because he, it, his heart's not in it anymore. It went from, cool, I like cooking, to now it's like, I have to do this or I will go broke. Yeah, and you can't – very
0: little room for creativity at that point because like you know how how far can you take that you have to do it
1: works especially in a restaurant like a breakfast restaurant like i work in it's like the the average age of people who come in are 60 years old Mm -hmm. try changing a menu for them we had a similar situation at the country club you can't change the menu on someone who's been eating the same thing for 20 years because that's that there's a reason why they come to that country club you know they own that country club it's member owned so it's like try changing something on there try going fancy with that they'll Mm -hmm. they'll straight up nope sorry try telling them that you don't want to come in today because it's your son's soccer game for instance exactly see and that's the difficult thing too because like this morning i woke up with a splitting headache i would love to call in Mm, but cannot do that because even if i do call in right and he goes into work for me which he probably would do it's like I still know all that work that I have is going to be waiting for me the next day, you know? And that's just what comes with being an adult, but that's what comes with servitude. Yeah, exactly. And then
0: once again, like, if um, if you look at the thing, like, with teaching, for example, and you do have those kind of days, so, like, if if you had a splitting headache, for example, and you came in, it, it would be better, they would, it's easier to be able to call in a substitute. And like from the relationships that I've had with teachers with the alternative school that I was at, mm-hmm. um, it was the reason why I name dropped the alternative portion is because it was more of like a friend environment
1: with the yeah, teachers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, that's where I graduated from was an alternative high school as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's I did my last two years at one.
0: See, I did it by choice because I figured more scholarships and they are not going to accuse me of a bunch of crazy shit. Yeah. It turned out that
1: um,
0: all of my judgments that I had um, about people Mm -hmm. that kid's a loser
1: and that parent,
0: that's crazy. I I realized we're just all the same. Yeah. Different faces.
1: Everybody has a story. Everybody has similar stories too, especially in a small town of 150 people. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But with the teachers, though, that's the thing that I found out is that. If they weren't at their optimal, it is more encouraged for someone to come in. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Whereas if it's like a chef, as long as you're not shitting yourself, which you can get people sick, yeah. you better be in
1: there. Exactly. And I mean, but, and what the, what the beauty is with uh, elementary school mm-hmm. is like, man, if I went in and I had a splitting headache and I needed some time to relax... It's like, hey, guys, guess what we're doing for the first portion yeah. of the day? We're popping in a movie. Yeah, exactly. And they will love you for that, too. Yeah. So as you're, like, you're dealing with your splitting headache and getting to wait for that, uh, you know, uh, acetaminophen to kick in. Yeah. You get to make them happy, too. And then, boom. Now now it's two hours later. They got to watch a movie. Now you start, you know, you start class. You make up what you did the next day. Yeah. And you go from there. You know, exactly. So it's like, but, like, I go into work today with my headache. Mm-hmm i took medicine and i had to work through it Yep. and as a cook it's like i I would love to have been able to you know And it sounds like i'm bitching but i'm really not it's just it's it's just the stress of the situation it's like you you have nobody who can do it
0: and it's like also the how your job the lifestyle you are allowed to have given the requirements of the career that you are in because like uh for example, like you say with the restaurant work, I don't know how your days are. Most of the time, when I've worked in a restaurant, my days are always rotating. So I, it's not. It's very difficult to either have normal days off or have the same days off. So I, my life is going to be built different than a teacher, right? Who has Saturday, Sunday off, a whole summer off,
1: and and afternoons off. Exactly. Yeah, see, and I'm lucky in my situation where I, where I'm at because I work Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, you know, basically like. I get off at 3 every day, mm-hmm. Wednesday through Sunday, and I have Monday and Tuesdays are my set days off. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm lucky with that. But at ev- any other job I ever worked at where I was cooking, it wasn't like that. It was rotating. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, okay, I can hit, I can hit this, you know, I can hit this class here, jujitsu class here. Mm-hmm. I can hit this training class here. I can hit, you know, this, oh, okay, well, I got to see my girlfriend, so that's going to take up this day, you know. So it's difficult. Now, at the same time, it's like there was more people in that kitchen, so I could... Call. I could call in or request a day off if I want to request. I ha- those tournaments. I request that I requested off. I had. I put in my request today. Yeah. For them, for three months from now.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So like that's what I have to do if I want a weekend off. There.
0: You, you see, and that's where I, I think it's like the different. Uh, how it's different than bitching is that it, it's basically it limits your life in some other ways and provides other freedoms as well. And it's important because it's something important important to consider with. Um, I don't know, just the audience in general and my own self too trying to find this sense of fulfillment and finding things that help you in the pursuit of fulfillment as well. Yeah. And that's where I think...
1: And that can be a person or that could be a cup of coffee every morning. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I also think that there's like... I'm going to say it or go back to it again is there's just some things that aren't really conducive to people to fulfill it. Like if we, if you didn't have to have a cook, I don't know how many people would ask for that situation would ask for, okay, I have to be there serving breakfast every day, regardless, because people need to eat. Yeah. I don't know how many people out there would would voluntarily do that kind of thing. Whereas when it comes down to teaching, people would voluntarily do that. Or like a jujitsu, obviously people don't just voluntarily do jujitsu. They pay to do
1: jujitsu. Yeah, exactly. And yeah,
2: yeah
0: <sighs> uh, The um, What time Oh shit it's Yeah On the Whoops Two I and a half hours or so I took so. you into the To the dark side to the Deep Yeah Deep into the pool That was a lot of fun That was a lot of fun Yes We went through many tangents were, Yeah Did you enjoy
1: it? I, I enjoyed it It was a lot of fun Is
0: there anything that you wanted to closing uh, statements that you had? Uh going to get on I, teaching, but I didn't get as far on
1: that as I wanted to. We, we, yeah, we can, we can talk again at some point. Yes, we can. Uh, basically, yeah, I guess the overall theme here is feel fear, do it anyways. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you have something that you want to do, like just find a way to do it and find people who will support you in it.
0: Exactly. It's
1: that community. Community yeah. is everything. Having that team behind you and whether that's a team in a gym a team in baseball or like your team cooking yeah or just or just your family or gangbang or gang you know (laughs) no take take away everything else i just said specifically a gangbang
0: it's a perfect team environment (laughs) yeah
1: dude just don't touch balls
0: yes don't don't no more bromance (laughs) it's not lightning strikes all right thanks guys later Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Rate, review, and share on any platform you listen to this stuff on. And you guys enjoy a nice summer. I'll see you in about two weeks. It's been fun. I've definitely learned a lot this past year. I want to do some reflective stuff. (laughs) Just kind of reviewing things and putting it all together. And making it a little more cohesive. I can't wait. Thank you guys for your time.
2: Bye.